Hello, my friends. Welcome back. This is episode 33, and I've done 33 of these, and today I'm bringing back a guest who had been on episode 14. Her name is Ashley Ingram. Ashley owns a business in downtown Sweetwater, Tennessee, and so that's where I met her. It was in downtown at a coffee shop called My Cup Runneth Over. Her business name is Her Majesty Boutique. And um, if you get a chance to be in Sweetwater, swing in there and do that. And you're like, well, why would I, why, why would I go to Sweetwater, Tennessee? Well, there's a lot of reasons. It's a beautiful little place. And another one is it is one of the gateways to the Cherokee National Forest. So when you're getting off uh, I-75 there, take that Sweetwater exit. It'll take you right through Sweetwater. Swing in downtown, get a cup of coffee, shop in those little boutiques. There's an art shop and some other places down there. You'll thoroughly enjoy that. And then go on out and visit the Lost Sea, then going out to the Cherokee National Forest, Teleco, all those beautiful places. Just a beautiful place. I, I love the fact that I live where people vacation. <clears throat> now, Ashley also, not only is she a business owner and entrepreneur, she is a pageant contestant. And in episode 14, I brought her on. I knew nothing about pageantry. I knew nothing about uh, why people do that. I, I mean, th- my only experience was as a kid being sitting down and watching pageants on TV and then uh, that movie that came out, Miss Congeniality. So that, that was my limited experience. And uh, in this episode, her and I, we talk a little bit about a few things we talked about in episode 14. And then we talk about what's going on a year later. So in episode 14, she had just won Miss U.S., world so she won the u.s title for the miss world pageant competition um that qualified her to go on and compete in the miss world title for the uh, in the bahamas that took place later this year i'm sorry earlier this year so when she did that she come back and she won that so she's got the miss world title so she'll be traveling around the world this coming year doing things promoting the pageant and, and her platform and we talk about her platform pretty extensively as well uh, speaking of the Bahamas, it's a terrible tragedy. We didn't get into that. That was taking place right as uh, her and I were doing the podcast, so we didn't really have a lot of information at the time of what was going on, so that didn't come up as a topic. But what did come up as topics? Things that you might want to listen for or look for in this episode. One, the dichotomy between pageantry and feminism, and uh, what at at first seemed to me to be polar opposites of each other. She does a good job of saying, no, this is empowering for women to do. It's just one of the ways in which women find uh, themselves and empower themselves and stretch themselves outside of their comfort zone. I love how she looks at that. Uh, Another one we talk about is her health and fitness. Uh, She's talking about getting ready for these competitions. Five years ago, she had a child um, and she left the pageant world and then when she decided to go back into the pageant world, I believe she said she lost 60 or 80 pounds uh, getting ready and preparing for that pageantry. Uh, we talk about her, how she eats and preparation and her lifestyle and working out. Now, she does a little bit more extreme than most of us are going to be able to do. But again, she had a competition that she was preparing for. But we do talk about just how you can eat and things that you can do. And the, one of the beautiful things that she points out in that part of the discussion is that she had to find what worked for her. And that's a key life takeaway. Find what works for you. Anyways, this is my episode with Ashley Ingram. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy. Thank you. After I stopped jingling everything around. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Ashley Ingram. Yes. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. That means I won. It means you won. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yes. Now, last year when we sat down and talked, you had just won Miss U.S. World. Yes. So that's the U.S. title. Yes. And so that was exciting in itself. I know. Because uh, th- if I remember the story right, the live feed crashed. Yes. And yes. people were like, what was happening? Yes. my um, Everybody, my whole cheering section here at home did not know what happened. Because when they it came down to the final two... Um, the camera, the phone, it was, they were doing a Facebook Live and the phone died. So nobody at home knew if I had won or if I had lost or what happened. So everyone was texting me and my phone was blowing up. And when I Chris, got. Chris, you don't have it on, yeah? No, not on stage. So <laughs> right. when I got backstage to my phone, everyone, my phone had just completely blown up. And I was like, what is happening? And. I couldn't figure out why nobody knew that I had won because I had kind of checked the live feed during the pageant and I knew they were on there because people were saying, go Ashley, you know, and cheering me on in the comment section. And then it just went blank. And so, yeah, my mom was very upset. I had told her not to come to Reno with me when I competed because I just, I didn't even think that I had a chance to win. So why did you not want your mom to go to Reno? Well, I just thought, you know. Pageant mom? No, 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 no. My mom is... I, she has never missed a pageant until that one. Ooh. Yes, that was the only time she had not come. And the reason I told her not to come is because in the Miss U.S. World pageant, you have to be 26 years old to compete. So this was my first year even being old enough to compete in the pageant. And I just thought, they're going to be looking for someone more in their early to mid-30s. I'm 26 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm not what they're looking for. And it's probably going to take me a few years before they take me seriously. And they didn't know me. They didn't know anything about me. I was just kind of a random girl from the other side of the country that nobody knew. And I just didn't think I had a chance to win. So I was like, you know what? Save your money. Reno Reno is not Vegas. <laughs> Reno's a very expensive trip. The plane ticket alone was just outrageous. And I was like, you know, sit this one out. I, I'm going to go. We'll make a good experience out of it and hope for the best. But more than likely, I'm going to have to compete several times before I win. And that is not how it happened. Wow. So, yeah, my mom was very upset with me for talking her out of attending that one. I can imagine she mm-hmm. was. So, um, Reno, you do the, you win that. You come back here. We do the podcast. Now, since then, and I've, I've watched a little bit of your social media. I mean, I don't stalk it or nothing. <laughs> but... Um, Oh, maybe I do. No. (laughs) That's okay. You've been busy. Yes, very busy. It's been a busy year. Um, You know, my goal really was to win a national title as a Miz, and I accomplished that back in November. So even getting the chance to compete at Miz World was just kind of the cherry on top. Yeah. I never intended to be Ms. World, you know, winning an international. Well, you never intended, but you prepared and went. Oh, absolutely. Competed. Absolutely. Um, if, if that kind of challenge is <sighs> ahead of me, like I'm absolutely going to prepare to the best of my ability. Good for you. Um, but I just didn't even expect that part of it was so unexpected. And, um, So I've spent since November getting ready for this pageant. And, you know, I took that very seriously. Like I said, that's all I had was my preparation. Because once you compete on that level, everyone, all the girls are strong competitors. You don't have many or any weak competitors at that level. And when you look at the competition, really anybody could win. 
So I just knew that I had to go into this confident in my preparation and, you know, confident in myself and my ability. Well, and I often I had this discussion this morning, and the idea is you, you do the work. Yes. And you divorce yourself from the outcome. Absolutely. Right? So you do the work to the best of your ability. Be confident in what you've done. Mm-hmm. Show up and do the work, and then whatever happens... You have no control over. Right. But uh, good for you, it happened. So you've also, we were just talking before the podcast started, uh, you got engaged. I did. Look at that rock. I know. He did so good, um, <laughs> considering he had no guidance from me. Um, <laughs> yes, it, the morning after the pageant, um, like I said, it was unexpected that I won the pageant in general, but... Um, the next morning, I had a sunrise photo shoot. and Beautiful shots, by the way. Yes. You guys, go on her Facebook. It's mm-hmm. Ashley Ingram, but it's also Miss, uh, Miss World. Miss World 2019, 2019 Ashley Ingram. Now. Ashley Ingram, that's right. Yes. Took over that Facebook feed, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, so, yeah, I had my sunrise session on the beach, and she um, brought my boyfriend in for some of the photos. The photographer knew what was going on. My mom had, of course. My mom had already prepped her. Um, it was really crazy because the photographer acted like she was on my team like I thought she was my friend and she had been talking to them all you can't trust women (laughs) so um yes they he proposed in the middle of the session and actually all of my pageant people were there on the beach as well so it was a really nice surprise I all of a sudden heard all this clapping and I turned around and all of my directors and my sister queens and everyone was right there on the beach with me and they had been the whole time luckily I'm blind like I, I literally cannot see anything mm-hmm. if I don't have glasses on or contacts in so I had kind of looked up the beach at one point in time and I was like that's bizarre there are so many people standing up there watching um, so everybody 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 knew <laughs> there oh yes it had passed through the dressing room at the pageant uh, and I just didn't know that was after I had been crowned I was still on stage. The whole dressing room knew that I was getting engaged. And um, so, but I looked at the beach and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people watching. I turned back around really quick because I felt awkward. Um, But it's pretty common in the Bahamas for a lot of people to get up really early and come down to the beach and watch the sunrise. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was people watching the sunrise. And then they saw me walking around in this massive crown and they were trying to figure out who I was. So I just kind of like quickly turned around and acted like I wasn't making a spectacle of myself um but yeah when I figured out it was them they were like we thought you caught us for sure and I was like no thank goodness I couldn't see that far so I couldn't see who it was I just saw a lot of people standing up there so it was a surprise it was wonderful the whole trip was like a fairy tale that's amazing yes everybody loves fairy tales I know the um so for the ignorant like me Ms. means so there's the Miss Division which is that's M-I-S-S. Yes. The Miss Division is pretty much never married, never had children, um, you know, kind of just, and it's usually, there's usually an age limit on it, and that's different for every system. Um, Ms. is, sometimes there's an age limit, sometimes there's not, but typically the stipulation for a Ms. is that you've either been married and divorced, or you have a child. I have a five-year-old son he'll be five at the end of the month so I'm gonna I saw that five. post today I did I did yes. stalk you this morning yes I have a five-year-old son and that is why I'm a Miz um and that's why I said it was my goal to win a national title as a Miz before I got married so I didn't realize I was getting married so soon um but now I will if I choose I will be able to compete as a Mrs. after I get married well there you go so he yes. 
You said something that I found awkward. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> not, not awkward in the sense that, ooh, this is weird. Uh, I guess in the sense of me. So he asked you to be his girlfriend at the Biltmore. Yes. Well, and I'm like, I don't remember the last time I asked somebody to be my girlfriend. <laughs> Is do you it just do kind that? of assumed? Um, well, well, I'm I'm only hanging out with you. <laughs> okay, that is true, but that's kind of how it went on. Is yes, we were exclusive for a long time, and it kind of got to the point where I was like, "Are we? Does he think we're dating? But we've never like said we're dating, or are we just friends and we hang out all the time?" Like, um, so yeah, it. Now, now I'm rethinking my relationship. <laughs> Do I need to officially say? You should. You should at least make sure you're exclusive, at the very least. Oh, okay. And that's why I was like, huh. So, yes, he did. He asked me to be So, why didn't you ask him? Well, you know, (laughs) just letting him take the initiative. We live in the South where men are, you know, they like to be the man, so. Well, it's funny. The woman I'm dating right now, uh, we've been, we started dating on, this is Labor Day, Memorial Day weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. Was, well, right around Memorial Day weekend was our first date. Maybe it was Memorial Day weekend. And then, um, and we went back to the same place we started dating last night. We went back on Labor Day weekend to the same place. Uh, just because of, all right, we started the summer here. We'll In figure this out. summer here. Right. So we went back there. Um, but uh, so people's asked me, and we've only been, like, that's a short time. Very short. Yeah, and people's like, so you're going to marry her? I'm like, well, she hasn't asked me. <laughs> I actually went to a bridal fair sometime in July, and I was just there with um, a, a bridal dresses and modeling and that kind of thing. Yeah. And But I was kind of like scoping out some of the tables to see some of the vendors in the Knoxville area, and they would, I wasn't engaged at that point, of course, because yeah. the pageant was in August, and they would ask me, you know, what is your wedding date? And I would say, I don't know, I haven't even picked a husband yet. <laughs> And they would look at me crazy, but they didn't realize I was just there for modeling. So I would just play it to my, yeah, I would just say, I I have no idea. I haven't even picked a husband yet. Well, there you go. They they thought I was actually there for the bridal fair. Well, it is a new world in that regards. I mean, like, you'll see some people say, well, it's Facebook official. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, Yeah. But see, like, my relationship, I haven't put a relationship status up in years. I haven't. Uh, I think after my divorce, I just never did put another relationship status up. I've dated a few women since then, but... Well, you do know that if you propose, you have to take her back to the place that y'all met, so... Hmm. <laughs> no pressure. Do we? So you guys... Which you didn't meet in the Bahamas. No, but he was going to take Let's me back to... Let's pull this a little bit forward. Supposedly, he was going to take me to the Bahamas to... Or take me back to Biltmore to propose, even though that's not how it happened at all. He surprised me. So. Oh. That's good. So, so I got to go back to the marina. Yes, back to the marina. Hmm. So now. No, no, no. That's she has to take me back to the marina oh, if she's yeah. asking me. Just don't tie your shoe at the marina. What happened? Well, she'll think that you're proposing. Oh, see, I wear flip flops or these sandals, Perfect. so she. <laughs> or I'm barefoot. Yes. So you should be good then. I'm good. So that's a. <laughs> no, that's so funny. There was a. Um. um I have a family member who uh, she sits with elderly people. Yes. And uh, she was sitting with this older man, and they built a friendly relationship. So she would sit with him. He wasn't he wasn't disabled. She would just basically go cook and clean and do things like that for him. And she's taking him to an event at the senior citizen center. 
And she gets over there, and he comes walking in the room, and she's sitting on the couch. He went to get ready. He comes walking in the room and uh, gets down on his knees right in front of her. Right. So you imagine what she's going through. And he leans forward. He said, can you button my sleeve? Oh, no. <laughs> so she had this whole, oh, God, what am I going to do? And then old man just wanted sleeve button. Yeah. Well, I told them all along. I wanted to be very uninvolved. Of course, I knew that we were going to get engaged within the next few months, but I wanted to be completely detached from it. Um, mm-hmm. I told him anything like he needed to go through my mom, um, but I didn't want to know because I didn't want to know that he had a ring already or... I just wanted it to be a surprise, right. and it was. Um, but I told my mom, I was like, if I know he has a ring, every time he bends down to tie a shoe, I'm going to think that he's proposing. And then yeah, every I'm gonna... time we go to a dinner, yes. every time we go to the park. Yes, I'm going to be so paranoid all the time. I was like, so I don't want to know anything about this. I, You know, you guys figure this out. Just make sure that there's a photographer there. I should have seen the signs. I did not because of everything else that was happening. Well, yeah, I mean, why would there be, uh, like you said, I mean, you just got crowned Miss World. So that week, that had to be a whirlwind week. It was. It was very intense. I have a lot of travel anxiety. So the few days prior to leaving, I was just very um, disoriented and kind of in a mind frame of, I don't even want to go. I don't know why. I think it's because of my son. I get horrible, horrible travel anxiety. I hate to leave him. Oh, so you didn't take him? He did not go. The resort we were staying at did not allow anyone 14 and under. So a five-year-old would not have been. I love that resort. Yes. Um, We stayed at the the Moxie in Chattanooga? Yes. You ever been there? I have not. I highly recommend just go down there. Um, When you walk into the Moxie, and they're not sponsoring this, but I'll give them a plug. You walk in, you know, most hotels have uh, the table the, the desk that you go up and you check in. You walk into the mocks and there's a sign that says check in at the bar. Love and so that. the downstairs is just this bar. So you walk up, you check in, they give you two drink tokens for their cocktails or, or draft. Um, and then like at nine o'clock at night, they roll a DJ in. It becomes a club downstairs. It's just, they got all these board games you can play. They got all these other games. It's just, it's a great place. But, we're down there. And she looks around and she said, there's kids here. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need to find a hotel that doesn't allow kids. <laughs> yes, this one did not allow kids. You checked in at a actual check-in counter. and um, But they did bring us this drink, and it was amazing. And I don't know uh, if it was amazing because we had just gotten off a flight or and hadn't had anything to eat or drink all day. But they brought us this drink, and they told us that... Um, I'm not very well-versed in my alcoholic beverages, and this wasn't. But they said, if you um, want it with alcohol in it, order a Bahama Mama. Well, they didn't tell me what it was without alcohol. So I went up to the bar a few days later, and I said, can I get a Bahama Mama with no alcohol? And the bartender looked at me funny, and he said, you want a fruit punch? (laughs) I was like, I will take that in a juice box. Thank you. I'll Um, take a fruit punch. So I didn't know that a Bahama Mama was just fruit punch. With some rum, probably. Yes. So that was one of my embarrassing moments of the week. So you get down there, um, and and I have no idea. When you and I first talked about pageants, uh, I told you one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because I don't know anything about pageants. I'm totally ignorant about it. So you get down there. uh, I'm sure they get all these 
activities and things for you to do? I mean, what what does that week look like? You check in, you get your fruit punch. <laughs> Got my fruit punch. Um, so the day that we arrived, that was our orientation day. So that was the first day that we would like sit down, meet all the contestants, um, you know, get swag bags, get all of our schedules, all that kind of thing. So we just had that like sit down moment with the directors and with all of the other contestants. And it's just kind of like a get to know you moment, but also like, this is how the week is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. This pageant is really wonderful in the sense that they don't occupy all of your time with pageant stuff. I think we were free until 2 o'clock every day. So oh, nice. They actually give you time to enjoy your vacation, um, which I think is really nice. Because yeah. a lot of pageant systems that I've competed in, we're in rehearsals from 8 a.m. to 12, and then you go straight to the next thing constantly. So you don't have any downtime. Um So the day we arrived was just an arrival day, check-in day, and orientation. And then Friday was the next day. We did have a rehearsal earlier in the day, but we had almost that entire day free. And that night we actually had a meet and greet slash cocktail party with our judges. Mm. So Friday night, before we ever stepped into the interview room, we met our judges and we got to have some one-on-one time with them, which is very hard because I'm not aggressive in that kind of atmosphere. I'm not going to grab a judge and take them away from the, you know, the group to, you know, chat with them. So or <coughs> influence them. Right. Exactly. I, I want them to take the time to get to know me and have a moment because we, in interview, you have five minutes mm. and with five judges, that's about one question per judge. If so, that, right. Right. So it's, it's very quick. And what they brought in one of the first judges to arrive. Um, they brought him in and they said, well, I have to kind of tell a backstory. I used to do, when I was getting ready for Ms. World, I would do a Facebook Live every week. And it was usually on Wednesday or Thursday. And it was just a weekly check-in, just letting everyone know what I'd been doing that week, where I was at in preparation, you know, packing today, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I did this weekly check-in and Facebook Live where I would just sit down and chat and answer questions and do all of that. Just because I want the audience to get to know me on a personal level and not just Ashley with a crown on. Right, right. So, um, Which I think is important. I think a lot of people don't don't understand the power that... I mean, you can use social media for a lot of things. Yes. A lot of things that's just a waste of time. But when you're a public figure, and you, you would be a public figure in both those roles, to... Let them see the authenticity. Right. You know, yeah, I'm stressing because I'm packing. Right. And it's to me, it's important that they see me as a mom and as a business owner and as a friend. And, you know, all of the different aspects of my life that are not just Ms. U.S. world. Right. Because we're real people at the end of the day, you know. So... I do this weekly check-in on the way to Nashville. I stayed in Nashville then because my flight to the Bahamas was very early. So I stayed with my best friend in Nashville. So on the way to Nashville, I set my phone up on the little hands-free device. And I did a little Facebook Live as I was headed to Nashville. And I was... Um, once I finished, like a few hours later, I was sitting there just hanging out with my friend. And I saw a comment pop up on the video. And a guy had tagged another guy, and they were Bohemian. His profile said he was from the Bahamas. And the, uh, the guy that had been tagged commented below and said, I'll be watching for her, or I'll be looking for her. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like this man. And 
the, the Facebook page, I'm very big on social media safety. Yeah. Like that is one of my biggest platforms. I work with kids and teenagers on mm-hmm. social media safety. And so I immediately like panic. I'm like, this Facebook page tells what resort I'm at. It tells where the pageant's being held. Like if he wants to find me, he's going to know exactly where to find me. Yeah. So I like panic immediately. And then I'm like, okay, this is, this is not as big of a deal as you're acting like it is. Just calm down. So I get to the airport. Well, because in reality, if you think about it, if I was going to look for you for uh, nefarious reasons, <clears throat> I wouldn't put it on your Facebook page. Right. Exactly. So you got to think through that. Wait a minute. This ain't that. Exactly. So, but then I get to the airport. My connecting flight was in Atlanta and I was meeting with one of my friends and she was making the remainder of the trip with me. And she said, did you see that comment on your video yesterday? And so then I'm like spiraling again. I was just like, oh my goodness. So maybe this is a big deal. And, um, so I get to the meet and greet Yeah. and my director said, Ashley, this is one of your judges. His name is Antoine. And Like, I couldn't even, all that I could do, like, I just felt relief rush through my body. And I was like, so I don't have a stalker? (laughs) And I said this to a judge. And he he looked at me funny, and he was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, I saw your comment on the video. (laughs) He said, oh, yes, I watch your videos every Wednesday. He said, I've been watching you for months. Okay. Um, And So it was the judge that commented? Yes, it was. Well, Someone had tagged my judge, and yeah. then the judge commented back and said, "Yes, yeah. I'll be looking for her." Okay. So yes, it was actually a judge, and I had nothing to be worried about. But it was just kind of funny because that was our first impression of one another. And he immediately was like, "I watch your videos every single week," and that was refreshing for me because you never know if the judges are paying attention to you or to your social media, or if they're not paying attention to your social media. And, and you're not doing it so that the judges will see it and know what you're doing. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's one of the very important facets of choosing a queen is knowing how they're going to represent the organization on social media. Because like you said, social media is so huge right now. It is. It's, I mean, you have to make sure that you're selecting someone who carries themselves well and can represent the organization well on social media. And so I, I really thanked him at the end of that night just because I felt like he had really thoroughly done his job. And, um, and I will say that I feel like a big part of the reason that I was able to win Ms. World was because a lot of the judges had really done their homework. And even though I had never met them, they felt like they already had a relationship with me outside of those five minutes that you get an interview. And so utilizing social media definitely, I think, played into me winning this title. Well, and it's a catch-22. So on on one hand, I think, do you want, as an organization, your judges following your contestants, or do you want them to have that raw experience (laughs) in the interview? Um. Because you might have somebody who's better at it. But then again, you want somebody who's better at it because they are representing your organization. Um, Or do you want the judge to say, I only got five minutes and I only got one question. And it's probably not an, even if it's an in-depth question, she's only got a few seconds to answer it. I'm not going to get to know her. Right. Where I can watch her social media and not that I'm going to truly get to know you, um, but... I get to at least see her public persona, and that's important. In my opinion, 
I can lie about anything for five minutes. Right. I don't even have to remember what I lied about because it's probably not going to circle back to me <sighs> That's right. in five minutes. And so if they've been paying attention to us and see what we do on a daily basis, see if we're serious about our preparation, see if we act appropriately on social mm -hmm. media, and they've been watching that for several months, then they have a pretty good idea of who you actually are and not just whatever popped into your head when they asked you a question in the interview room. Because we truly, I've done this for so many years and I still get very nervous going into interview. I actually had the highest score in interview at the pageant, but when I came out and everyone was like, you know, my family, um, when my family was asking, you know, how did it go? I was like, you know, my answers were good. Like I'm, what I said, I'm happy with. But I just felt like I, my delivery wasn't there right. or something. And, and something that small can affect your scores. And I, I was like, I don't know. I just I almost felt shaky. And um, But it's because you just never know. You don't know what they're going to randomly ask you. And they don't get political. They don't. Um, they don't try to trip you up. They truly have a very short amount of time. They want to get to know you, and so they don't ask you anything controversial or anything like that. So that's what I was going to ask you. What what were some of the questions? And I guess I, you, you just answered that. I mean, are they asking you about social issues, social justice issues? You just said they don't do political issues, but what was one of the questions or a couple of questions they might ask you to try to get to know you? Um, well, what they do is you turn in a judge's bio form and it has kind of like a get to know you page uh -huh. and I hate filling those out. Yes, especially in this aspect because with only five minutes to talk to us, I know that if they like you, they're definitely going to go back and fine tooth comb that paperwork because yeah. they're going to want to dig deeper with you if they didn't get the time to mm. ask everything that they wanted to know. Um, so they do the judge's bio form, and most of the questions will come straight from there. It'll be something they saw on there, and they just want you to elaborate on. So, you know, one of the judges, I remember him asking me um, about my career. Why did I start my boutique? Um, my paperwork also said that I, I love to read. I'm a reader. Um, so one of the judges asked me what book I'm reading right now. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, well, I'm actually, at the time, I wasn't reading right, a book. Right. Um, I, and I told them that. I was like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I haven't, read, I haven't had time to read. I've been doing this. Yes, you know, when you're, I was working out almost four hours a day. So, wow. you know, and sometimes when my son goes to sleep, I'll pick up something and read it. But it just, it was not a priority at that point in time. That is one of those things that I do because I enjoy doing and not because I have to do anymore. So yeah. I just didn't have time in that moment. Um, so it had been a couple of months, really, since I had been reading very much. Um, one of the judges asked me about networking and what I was going to do to grow the pageant because that's one of our biggest responsibilities as a title holder is making sure that the next year the pageant is bigger and better than it was the year before. You know, you mm -hmm. want to leave something better than how you found it. And... Um, I can't even remember now. I kind of black out, honestly. <laughs> well, you do. I mean, when you go into an interview, I mean, I had an interview uh, at work for another position, and you do. You black out. You forget yes. what they're asking you. And then when you walk out, like, well, what did they ask you? 
I know, and I always, I'm always afraid that the other contestants think that I'm like playing poker face, and I'm like, right. no, I really don't. If you'll give me a minute, it'll come back to me. Um, but I need a moment. So yeah, in that like that very second you walk out, you're just kind of like, whoa, what just happened? Because mm-hmm. it happens so quickly, and then it's just like they throw you out of the interview room, and you're like, I want to stay. Like I need more. No, time. I need to. I need to answer that. Yes, because you do. They cut you off in the middle of a question usually, and you just kind of have to stand and go. <laughs> so it's, wow. It's very abrupt. So after the interview process, um, I'm sure that's, I don't want to say an all-day thing, but they have, how many contestants were there? I can't even, there were... More than 20? Yeah, and some didn't show up, so I don't know an exact number anymore. Um, But but there were some contestants that didn't make it because of flight issues and and different things, and, and some just communication issues, and they just decided not to come, even though we thought they were coming. Um... So they have like your scheduled interview times and they, they rushed through them pretty quickly. Right. Um, and then that was Saturday and the day before the pageant. And that night or that evening, really, we went to Junkanoo, which is a huge um, festival that they do every Saturday night in the Bahamas for like a stretch of five weeks. I think oh, wow. it's five weeks. Um, but it's, we really wanted to, the Bahamas is now the home of Ms. World. And we really wanted to get in and be a part of their community. We didn't want to sit in a resort and be so disconnected from the Bohemian people. So we went to their festival, spent time with them. They were so kind to us and just so warm and welcoming and really just made us, you know, wrap their arms around us and made us a part of their community for that weekend. And it was amazing. We actually also held the pageant at a community theater. Oh, wow. And everyone was very surprised, even on the social media pages. The theater, it was the Dundas Theater, and anytime we posted that we were having it there, Bohemian people would comment on it, questioning why we were doing it there, and you know why we weren't at the Atlantis, or why we weren't at some big resort yeah. having this pageant. And it's because we want to be a part of their community, and we want this to be something that every single year they are excited about attending. And it's accessible to them. It is, and the theater had been vandalized weeks before we went down there, just horribly vandalized, and they, you know, joined together, and they got the theater fixed for us, and um, we did this as a fundraiser to get the, th- the theater back on its feet and back up and running. So we didn't charge admission. We just took donations at the door, which is unheard of at pageants. I've right. never been at a pageant where my mom was able to come in for it. Usually it's like $150 to come in and watch me on finals night. So yeah. when you have several family members, it's very pricey just to be able to come in and watch the competition. So that was amazing. Just being able to, you know, money was not a thing. It wasn't a priority for the organization we just wanted to help them so. i got a friend of mine who does uh she does events yes and one of the and she charges typically if you come to one of her classes she charges and she said sometimes she'll do like an event like at a coffee shop or someplace like that and it'll be donation based because mm-hmm. she wants people to be exposed to what she's teaching and what they're doing that otherwise wouldn't go because of the price she said, it's ironic that I do get people who come in for free. Yes. She said, but then I'll get other people who might come to her other events and will give a larger donation than they would pay uh, otherwise because they know that 
she's doing this for free. So it's kind of like I'm paying it forward so this person can go. Right. She said, it's ironic. I'll make roughly the same, sometimes more money on a donation-based event than I do there. But what I love about that is I'm sure there's people in the Bahamas. I, I, I don't see it as a hugely wealthy nation. Right. Uh, yes, there's a, there's places like Atlantis and stuff like that, and it's probably the main source of income, mm-hmm. and it's probably not the uh, you probably not gonna get rich working there if right. you're a native a Bohemian, but this gives them access to a world that otherwise, if they weren't working it, they would never get access to. So that had to be inspiring to a lot of people there. That hey, I can take my kids, I can take my young daughters. They can see this. They can meet these people. You know, you guys going out doing the meet and greets. I think it's a beautiful thing that the Miss World did. That was one of the best parts after winning was um, all the kids from the Bahamas that were there at the pageant that wanted to take pictures. It really keeps you grounded because I'm 27 years old. I, You know, if it wasn't for the kids and for, you know, what I want to achieve and doing good and... There's no point in doing this. There's, I'm 27 years old. I don't need to walk around in a crown to feel pretty, you know. So the crown is definitely a catalyst and gives you a larger audience. People right. definitely pay more attention to you if you have a crown on. But if it wasn't for the kids, this would not be worth it. So. Well, that- I told you, I think in our last podcast, I used to be involved in women's flat track roller derby. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things. That, now my daughter's a skater. Uh, and one of the things that I tell her is these these young girls, I mean, young girls to teenage girls, don't just go out and play your bout and leave. Skate around and talk to these girls. You're right. building that next generation. These Absolutely. girls, they want to be your fan. Mm-hmm. And I know it's awkward for her because she's not this public persona type person. Now, my son, he'd be all over that. Yes. But she does have to almost force herself to go around and take these pictures and she's like after I do it it's just such an amazing thing to know that these girls or these young women are inspired Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah just take that moment to make a difference in someone's life absolutely and that was after the pageant it's mass chaos after the pageant and of course we were trying to get out of the theater as well Mm -hmm. there was a bus waiting on all of us and my director was yelling at me when I say yelling at me I don't mean like I was in trouble but she's like Ashley you need to be over here you need to be over here and I'm like I'm with the kids because I wanted to take that moment to connect with them even if it was just for a second and just let them know that someone believes in them and a lot of them were there in sashes and crowns of their own where they had done you know different pageants and so yeah it was it was really nice getting to let them be a part of this and to spend time with me immediately after the pageant um that was the best part for sure you know one thing i have noticed about you that i appreciate and i'm glad you do it it would be easy for you to come back here to sweetwater tennessee mm-hmm. and run your business and only be uh, miss us world or miss world when you go to events in New York or other places like that. But you don't do that. No. You get involved in the local community here. Yes. Like So when they have festivals here, I, I see pictures of you out there at the festival. Well, I think this last weekend you did some stuff here in Sweetwater yes. speaking. And I think that that's really good that you you don't disengage yourself. You don't say, oh, no, this is my private life. I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, this past weekend, I spoke for, I, right outside where we are right now, I spoke for the National Overdose Awareness Day, International, excuse me. Um, 
And that's one of the things like Sweetwater, Tennessee, Monroe County, um, Tennessee as a whole may never have a Ms. World again. Right. So I definitely want to utilize this year. And I tell people all the time, like if you have an event you need me at, if my calendar is free, I'll be there. Just let me know. Um, so yeah, I love getting into the local events. Sometimes they are afraid to approach me about it because they think that I have bigger and better things to do. And that's right. not the case at all. Like, that's what I'm here for. I found that out with my podcast. Yes. Doing the podcast. I found that out is that um, there's a guy, I'm trying to figure out how to do a podcast with him right now. He lives in Phoenix. All my podcasts are like this, face-to-face. Yes. So I can't do a face-to-face unless I fly out there. And I'm not flying him in. <laughs> uh, um I wouldn't mind flying out there, but I got to look at the money of flying out there. I thought I could probably buy the equipment to do it uh, remotely with that. But um, when I approached him, I did an interview with a girl here from Sweetwater. Uh, She has a foundation for uh, rare childhood diseases, Mm -hmm. and she's got one herself. She's about to go into surgery later this month for some more. It's an ongoing thing that she has to do. Um, It's called uh, fibrosis Oh man, I'm on. It's sky stepping my my you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like two or three podcasts earlier, but um, after I did the podcast, she's telling me about this guy. She said you ought to do a podcast with this guy. He's writing a book about Athens. Okay, <laughs> so I just look him up on Facebook, friend him, send him a friend request. Yeah, I'll do your podcast. Let's schedule some time. Great. So I was telling somebody about it, and they said, "Well, who is he?" I don't know. So <laughs> pull out my phone, I Google him. Well, he's a five time. Uh, New York Times best-selling author. Wow. And I was like, if I had known who he was, I'd have talked myself out of uh, asking him to do the interview. Right. Um, so lesson learned there yes. is approach him. Absolutely. They're not going to eat you. No, I know. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like I'm very approachable. Like someone, you are. Someone asked me or someone told me, you know, you, you're intimidating. And I'm like, but I, I really don't try to carry myself that way. Like I really want people to know that I'm approachable. Like, It's not you per se. It's the persona that they, that they project on you. Yes. You know, they see you as this. Right. Uh, it's like a celebrity, mm-hmm. right? You know, you talk to a celebrity and... You don't want to be that guy that goes up to them, but some celebrities see it as, hey, I'm here because of you. Feel right. free to approach me. Now, obviously, if I'm with my family doing something private, leave me alone. Give me yes. some space. But, um, yeah, that's been my thing. So if you want Ashley, be, just reach out to her. No, reach out to me. As long as I'm free, I'm, I'm good to go. I love to do local events. I, you know. Now, see you at the festivals all the time. Sweetwater built me, so that's, you know, that's what I'm doing here. And I want to give back to my community as well as other communities. So, you know, Sweetwater and Athens, I hold both of these towns so close to my heart. And right. um, They yeah. both claim you. Have you noticed that in the yes. media? <laughs> it's kind of like every time I win a title, it's kind of like a back and forth fight. Um, the most I've noticed from, that. She's from Sweetwater. And the, she's from Athens. She's from Athens. And yes. I'm like... Yes, there is always because I went to Tennessee Wesleyan. Right, so you worked little, in Athens. Yes, there's a little bit of a push and pull there, but that's okay. Right, I, I get that all the time. I don't get it. I hear people or I see it in the media, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, but you know, the, the reality is, Athens and Sweetwater is kind of, I guess the word is, uh, they're kind of one. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, even though they're different counties. I mean, they're so close. You ride back and forth. You do things. Um, <laughs> 
Now, we are at the Cup Runneth Over, so I do want to give a shout-out to the Cup Runneth Over. Yes. They've allowed me to do three podcasts here. They're wonderful. Best coffee around, if you ask me. Right. Um, and you're supporting a local business, so that's what's amazing. I personally think they're better than Starbucks. Sorry, Starbucks. <laughs> um, but you know, but, and having been Pacific Northwest, I'm huge around the whole Starbucks phenomenon, but uh, I do enjoy the small coffee shops, the mentality that you get in there, or just the... You build the friendships with the owners, and mm-hmm. it's it's just a different feel and a different vibe. And like you said, you're supporting a local business. And that's huge. I'm big on shopping small, so your season's coming up. Our season is coming up. We're, this is the best time of year for us, in my opinion. And I'm retail, and I'm women's clothing, so uh, there's nothing better than fall clothes. So No, because you'll be getting a bunch of those, what were those CC beanies? Oh, yes. The CC beanies are already here. <laughs> they are already here, so... I know those things go crazy. I'm just like, what's the deal with these? My mom is actually standing right here, and I I asked her the other day. I said, "Are we doing CC beanies again?" And she was like, "Yes." I'm they go of, like hotcakes. They really do. But what makes me crazy about CC beanies? We're on a tangent right now. We're like way off in left field. What makes me crazy about CC beanies is that my customers wait until a snow day when they know my store is not open, and then they message me and they're like, "Hey, can you come to the store?" And let me buy a CC beanie. And I'm like, you want me to risk my life for a $15 beanie? <laughs> that you could have bought earlier. That you could have bought when it was on sale at Christmas time. But no, we waited till March. <laughs> okay. So, yes, I'm. More than likely, they bought them and they don't know where it's at. I know. I have that problem too, actually. Um, me and my son, between the two of us, probably have 30 CC beanies and I can never find them when I need them. I don't know where they go. I know. we. Uh, a friend of mine owns a boutique in Athens, and she says these things are crazy. Because mm-hmm. oh, she's yes. trying to always figure out uh, what other boutiques don't have, which Absolutely. styles they don't have, and that way they can come in and get something different. Uh, but, yeah, we can talk about anything you want. We can talk about your business. <laughs> We're, like, way off in left field. Well, and that's the beauty about this format that I do. I, I don't come in with questions. It's just wherever we go but you know you do your homework i will say that you do your homework well because you come in and you know what you're talking about well thank you because i know the first podcast we did you didn't know anything about pageants you're not expected to um but you knew what you were talking about well but my goal there was to to um ask that question i don't know anything and so there's people listening who don't know anything and if you remember, one of the things that we talked about was um, women's rights or feminism mm-hmm. in the, and, and pageants. Okay, how do these two match? Because if you're on one side of feminism, pageants are not good. Right. They're demeaning to women. Yes. But in talking to you, who you are, an independent woman, uh, single mom, a business owner, I wouldn't consider you a, uh, a woman who's been put down. Right. I consider you a successful woman that's, that's, that's growing her business and very much out there, independent thought maker, things like that. And so I was curious about your view of pageantry. So what you taught me in that podcast is, no, this is or should be very empowering, empowering and liberating to women. It's not just, it's not just beauty and, uh, and all that. There's, there's preparation that goes into this. There is... Uh, uh, responsibility discipline I mean if nothing else the discipline that I have learned from competing in pageantry is 
is worth everything. But, and that, I was having this conversation with someone just a few days ago about how I, I do understand. I, I do understand how some people can see it as demeaning. Mm-hmm. I've never had that experience myself personally, ever. Like, I've never felt more empowered than I when I'm on a pageant stage. But even though pageantry is my thing, anytime someone asks me about doing a pageant, I tell them this is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's, it's, it's not for everyone. Not all of us. I'm very... Listen... I lost my butt off before I won. It and the losses are what makes winning so worth it. And right. yeah, I didn't win every pageant by no means. We me and mom were joking just a few days ago about my um, first runner up curse. For years I was first runner up at every pageant. After they would call the second runner up, I would just be like, Yeah, I know I'm the first runner up <laughs> and I would just go ahead and like, give me whatever you have for me. I know I'm first runner up. Um, and it was like a curse that could not be lifted. And, um, but you know, I learned so much more about myself in the losses than I, than I ever have when I won. Um, and it took several years of losing. That's a good life lesson though, isn't it? Absolutely. And, but I do understand that not everyone can take a loss and be fueled by it. Right. Some people are are very hard on themselves and they can't handle they see it as rejection and it eventually takes a really bad toll on, you know, their mental well being. Yeah. And and I understand that. So that is why I tell everyone, like, you can't expect to you're not gonna win every pageant. You're not everyone's cup of tea. And at the end of the day, no matter how hard you prepare, you are putting your preparation and your ability in the hands of people's opinions of you. It's, right. you know, it's not a basketball game where you score points to win. It's, you know, you're doing the best that you have and you're giving them the best version of yourself. But at the end of the day, their score that they write down is based on their opinion of what just happened. So It's not know, based on your work. It's not based no. on... Well, it is based on your work in the sense, were you prepared? So right. if you've done what you said earlier, you've done the preparation, you've done the work, and then, okay, now I've just got to divorce myself from the outcome. It, it, my uh, wrestling coach and I were having this discussion, of course, it's been too long since I wrestled, <laughs> but uh, we were having this discussion, I told him, I said, one of the things I learned is that in wrestling is I can go out there, if I've done the work, I've prepared, and I go out and I lose the match... Sometimes I feel better than the match I won yes. because I know I wrestled a guy better than me. Mm-hmm. I know that he just was better than me, but I did a lot better than I thought I was going to do. And then other matches you might go out and win, and you're like, well, that guy shouldn't have even been on the mat. You don't, there's no sense of victory there. Um, but to your point about, you know, if, if I'm in a contest of some sort, a job interview, a sports, a pageant, something like that, and the idea of losing does what you said. It takes that mental toll. I need to find something else. Yes. This is not my passion. Let's yes. find something else that when I lose, I look at it more as a learning experience and not a rejection. Mm-hmm. So that's and, a good takeaway. Right. And I do coach a lot of um, kids and teens, and I, that's exactly what I tell them. If you don't win, then you need to learn from it. You need to, you know, just figure out maybe not what went wrong but just where what are your areas of improvement 
always go to your judges and just say like, hey, you know, in a kind way, there's a way to attack judges and there's a way to approach them and just say, hey, I want to get better. I want to grow from this. What can I do? What did you not like? And, and sometimes they're like, you know what? You were great. And there's really nowhere that I can tell you that, you know, you were doing this wrong or I hated your dress or, you know, it wasn't that. It was just you were both great and that's the way the scores fell. And sometimes that's how it is. It's so close. Well, see, and I found that in theater. Mm-hmm. I used to do auditions. Uh, and when you're working in theater, and, and on, a theatrical audition is brutal. Oh, I'm sure. They are brutal. Sounds terrifying. Right. I mean, you've watched American Idol. It can get brutal. So if you're in theater and you're up there before a director and you you do your audition and they are brutal. Um, they're not... If, if you have the wrong mentality about it, you think they're being mean. Mm-hmm. They're not. They don't have time to coddle you. No. They will just tell you, this is what you need to work on and this person did it better. I'm looking for this accent. I'm looking for this look. And yeah, you've got everything I need for a different role, but that's not the role today. Right. Um, my son was interviewing for a sales position one time, and the guy said, uh, "Have you ever been in sales?" I believe I was like, "No." He said, "Well, what makes you think you're qualified to sell?" He says, "I've got a background in theater." He said, "And even though I may have had the lead role in the last production, I don't in the next. Even though." They love me. Mm-hmm. If I don't perform in that audition, I don't get that role. He said, and then furthermore, if I get that role and I stop performing in practice, I lose that role. You know, you have to bring your A game every time. You can't Absolutely. just assume it's there. And he said, I would assume sales is the same way. He got the sales job, by the way. Uh, <laughs> That's great. But it is. You, you have to look at life that way. That people make decisions on you that more often than not have nothing to do with what you've done said or now if it has go fix that Uh, but oftentimes there's just other factors that are involved and I love that analogy when you're talking about yeah no you did great your dress was great you answered all the questions correctly you had great poise you had great stage presence it's just you got beat yeah and it's you just never know um but that, that, how you said you have to divorce yourself from the outcome, that is exactly what I had done. I did not, I didn't expect to win. I did not go into this with expectations of winning. I went into this to represent the United States to the best of my ability. And, um, you know, that was what was most important to me because when you show up at a pageant at that level, you, you can't walk into that and be like, I've got this in the bag because you don't. What was Everyone's it you posted ready. on Facebook? Was it this weekend? Find some, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have your Facebook pulled up. Uh, you said something along the lines of find something bigger than you to believe in. Yes. Yes. Uh, w- what's your thoughts on that? I mean, why? I mean, you just have to know why you're doing this. Um, it, it can't always be about the crown. It has to be about the people that you're able to influence and you, you know, fulfilling a dream and a goal that you have. You know, when I was 18 years old, I just wanted to be Miss Tennessee. And and I, if I could tell 18-year-old Ashley what I know now, you know, not even 10 years later, 
um, she would have laughed at me. So, um, but yeah, it's like 18 years old. I just wanted to be Miss Tennessee. I never would have dreamed that this would have spiraled into me being Miss World. A year after being crowned Miss U.S. World. Yeah. Yeah. And And not expecting to win. Not expecting to win that either. Even on stage when we were in the middle of crowning, I had done really well on stage. I was very happy with how I finished the race and I was, you know, I had done what was before me and I had done it well. I was proud and I knew that I could walk away from it confident. And when I got on stage for crowning, this this was like you could see it written all over my face. I wish I had a video. Um, they haven't sent us our video yet, so I haven't actually got to witness this in person. All I could remember was that in Um, in our rehearsals they were kind of explaining how crowning would go down and she had told us the director Laura Hunter had told us that you could not double crown so if you won Ms. Um, Ms. Fitness or if you won Best Dressed or something like that you could not win the title that that was your title and so I remembered that that stuck in my head I don't know if she was just in a hurry or if I just didn't hear her correctly, but what she told the audience that night when I was backstage in a dressing room, not hearing this part, what she had told the audience was the only person who can double crown is the photogenic winner. That doesn't mean the photogenic winner will double crown. It just means they could if that's the way it happens. So the very first thing that happens when I go on stage is... Um, they call for Ms. Photogenic, and it was me. Oh, wow. So you think I'm done. I thought I was done. And at first, I didn't realize it. I think you got a fan it. here. <laughs> at first, I didn't realize it. Um, I walked up to the front, and I just saw a sash, and then they come out with a crown. And I was like, no, 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 no. You can't double crown. Get that crown away from me. I don't want that. <laughs> and, I mean, that was the first thing that happened in our awards you know, ceremony. And so I was like, oh, no. I was like, this, that's it. You know, I'm done. And so I go back and stand in line. And I'm, of course, like coaching myself through the moments. I'm like, do not cry on this stage. You are not going to cry on this stage. You are happy for whoever wins this title. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, remove yourself from this. Like, disconnect your emotions. You can cry when you get to your hotel room. But, you know, you're I'm, in my head, I'm just thinking of this whole year of preparation and everything that's happened. And I was just like, okay, disconnect yourself from all of that for a minute and we'll get through this but do not cry and so things go on and then they call for the final four which you know the Ms. World finalists and they called me to the front of the stage and I'm just kind of looking around like I can't win so then I immediately was like well they're just gonna knock me off immediately right and they didn't (laughs) and they called the third runner up and Mm -hmm. it was not me and they called the second runner-up, and it was not me. And then I'm left standing. Thinking, well, here's Miss First Runner-up again. <laughs> yes, here comes the first runner-up curse again. And actually, the gown that I was wearing, I had worn when I was first runner-up at Miss United States. And so that is what was going through my head. I was like, I'm in this cursed gown, and that is why I'm going to lose. I shouldn't have worn this gown. And But I'm standing there with one of my best friends. Uh-huh. And that was the moment... I looked at her and I was like, this is the best and the worst case scenario all in one. Um, And the best, because if anybody there was going to win besides me, I would want it to be her because I I know that her intentions are good. And I know that she would have done an amazing job should Mm -hmm. she have been the winner. 
and the worst because one of us is going to be heartbroken right, and right. and you have to let that not come between you right and that's hard i mean it's we've both worked for this so hard i mean she's the person that when i'm leaving the gym crying i'm calling her so yeah it was really hard in that moment and there's videos and pictures of that and we're just holding each other because that's all we knew to do in that moment and then they called the first runner up and they call her and i was like but I was Miss Photogenic. <laughs> and I'm like, my director, my U.S. world director comes out on stage because I'm like ripping the other sash off and taking that crown off and trying to get it to her because I didn't want it anymore. I was like, nope, I don't want any of this. I want the new one. That's right. So I, I was, done wore this one out. Yes. I was like, that five minutes on stage in, in this sash and crown was enough because that whole time I just thought, I'm done. I, you know, I've, I've lost. And so that was a really nice surprise. I bet it was. But the, I thought that I was hiding it really well, and everyone was like, That was no, going to be my next question. No. It was so all over earlier my face. you're like, said, don't cry, don't cry. I didn't until I won. Uh-huh. But they said it was all over my face that I, I thought that I had lost. So... <laughs> And of course, you know, the MC and the director already knows the outcome because they've already seen the paper. Yeah, they're going to call it out. Yeah, so they've already seen the paper and they can see like the look of just devastation on my face. Mm -hmm. And they knew all along that I had won. So I'm sure they were silently laughing at me because they know my personality. They had, the director had walked up to me before we got on the shuttle to go to the theater and she had all the crowns in her hand. And she said, do you want to touch it? And I started sobbing like I couldn't even. So your Facebook live video afterwards said you were ugly crying. Oh, I was ugly crying. <laughs> it was not a pretty cry. It was just sobbing, ugly crying. So, yes, that's what happened. When she asked me if I wanted to touch the crown, I was just like, no. I was like, that's just mean. Why would you say that to me? She was like, oh, do you need a Xanax? Like, bless your heart. <laughs> so, no. I'm fine. I'll but. take some CBD oil. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I saw that and I thought that was. And you held it together on that Facebook Live video. Yes, I did go and look at that today. I had a moment. Yeah, you I almost it lost it, but yes, it's it's just. You did have a moment because I, I remember did. watching you. You started to, oh. your voice started to tremble. You reached up and grabbed that crown, almost like okay, I got this security. Now I got it back together. And yes, it's it's definitely it takes days to wrap your head around what happened and even still sometimes now people will be like oh Miss World and I'm like that is me you know and part of me is just like how did this happen and the other part of me is like I've been competing for 27 years like yeah so part the other part of me is like it's about time you know I mean obviously obviously not that mentality at all I'm very humbled by this you should be but but by the same token you should also have that confidence that I've earned this and I, and I have. I've blood, sweat, and tears at hundreds on hundreds of hours of preparation and, and the money spent on training. And, you know, I don't work with a coach anymore, but I used to work with a coach and, and coaches in Nashville um, weekly. So the, the time and the travel, and I'm really happy my mom didn't keep a running tab because I owe her a lot of money. Yeah. I, I can't lot. imagine how much that costs. You, I mean, even like your gowns. Where do you where do you source your gowns? Just different. Do you have them designed for you? Do you just buy them at different places? I mean, I don't, I don't see them little shops that's got no. pageant gowns in Southeast Tennessee. No, I um, 
I model for designer Jonathan Kane. He was on Project Runway. Oh, that's right. Yes. So the majority of my gowns are designed by Jonathan. And some of them are just from his regular line and I, you know, off the rack kind of thing. Yeah. And then I have him do something to customize them for me. And some of them are custom made. Just we build it from scratch. And Jonathan Kane will be doing my wedding dresses. And yes, I said dresses because there will be multiples. I heard that from <laughs> <laughs> Listen. You're a poor man. I know. He's he's a good one. He's So how actually, does he handle that? I mean, I'm marrying Miss World. Or is he like, okay, it's Ashley. Yeah, you know. I She's think, got ugly sweatpants that she wears. Yes, exactly. He actually likes the, he's the complete opposite of me. And, and in the best way possible. Like, we definitely are each other's opposites, but it makes it work that Yeah, he's way. more Monroe County type guy. He's hunting, mm-hmm. he's fishing, right? If I remember you tell me. He's more outdoorsy, but not really the hunting, fishing guy. He's like climbing rocks and okay. hiking and kayaking. Like he's very, very outdoorsy, which is not my thing at all, but it's a good thing because it kind of pushes me outside of my limits. Um, and then I drag him into the pageant world. and um, Which he's got to be like, uh. <laughs> yeah, he, he handles it so well. Um, Luckily, he is, like, really laid back and easygoing. Um, I am very high stress and high anxiety. So when I'm at, like, a, during a pageant week, I, I'm honestly, like, we're just going to be really vulnerable here. Like, I'm miserable to be around. I can't stand myself. Right. Because I'm, first of all, hungry. We're in the Bahamas where it's 100-something degrees, and I'm dehydrated. In a gown. In a gown. In full hair and makeup, where everyone else is at the pool with their hair in a ponytail and no makeup on. I'm in full hair and makeup, tight clothes, high heels, and he's the one that's like, he's that guy that's like, I'm gonna try to like be funny and ease light in the mood, and I'm right. like, don't. Yes, <laughs> I'm like staring bullets through him, and he's just like, what? and I'm like, you're not making it better. And I kept telling him, I was like, I'm so. I know that I'm not fun to be around right now. Like, I know I'm not a joy to be around in this moment. Just let me get through this pageant and let me clear my head and we'll be good. We had already planned to stay in the Bahamas an extra two days. So we were going to have a vacation at the end of everything. We swam with pigs after the engagement. I was telling uh, the feminine in my life about that the other day. You can swim with pigs down there. What was that like? That was amazing. Um, I've swam with dolphins before. Of course, it's like the new trendy Instagram thing to swim with pigs. So um, we had looked into several different... I should do that at the farm. Get some pigs, put them down in the pond, let people come swim with pigs in the pond. Exactly. (laughs) It's very Tennessee of the Bahamas to do that, actually. Um, You could swim with pigs. Well, I I had looked at a different place to swim with the pigs in the Bahamas and it was going to be like $500 a person. Yeah. And I was like, that's an expensive Instagram picture. Like, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I found this other excursion and it was very inexpensive it's the same that you would pay to go on any ferry to an island you know private island and spend the day there so i was like we'll do that it was way cheaper than swimming with dolphins and i'd already done that so i didn't want to swim with dolphins again so the pigs were amazing they were so sweet i was they were very big um yeah well pigs aren't small no and i think everyone thought that i was going to be swimming with like baby piglets and i was like no these are they're like hogs they're huge (laughs) and they were as big as me and they're wild aren't they 
I think that they are, yes. Yeah, I believe um, they're wild. The one, the one I looked at, it's just these wild pigs would go out in the ocean and swim. And they, they said they were rescue pigs. I don't really know what that means, except that they're not bacon. Um, it probably means they were wild and they're on a reserve. Yes. You know, yes. so it's like a, a reserve for them to stay so they're not being decimated from the right. island. So they're taken very good care of. They are so sweet, and they're really friendly with the people. I did have to sign a waiver that said I couldn't sue if I got bit by any of the wild creatures. So, You know, and I had to do that here recently. Uh, we went down to Lookout Mountain to go hang gliding. Have you ever done that? I have not. Oh, my God. That is so fun. Uh, I'll have to try that. That you, does sound fun. you got to try that. Um, matter of fact, if I go, we're planning on going again in the fall. Yes. To see the foliage. So what we'll do is I'll get in touch with you guys and see if you guys want to meet us down there and go hang gliding. Yes. But um, we get to the top of Lookout Mountain and there's this cliff and they got this concrete thing that just rolls over the edge of the cliff and this hang glider's up there and she just walks off the edge of the cliff and takes off and I looked over at her and I'm like, I I don't know if I want to do this. No. I don't know if I want to walk off the edge of this cliff. I value my life. <laughs> right. And then you see this, you know, young 19-year-old girl or whatever she is, just walks off. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, if she can do it, I don't know if I want to do this. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously having second thoughts about this. But uh, a friend of ours, her boyfriend is the main flight instructor down there. So we were kind of committed. Right. Yes. Because I can't just back out anonymously. They don't know me. No, she's got a relationship with these people. So I'm just like, Ugh. So we go in there, and we're paying and getting everything taken care of. I got the little video. You have to pay to put your life in danger. That's even better. Right. And then they <laughs> hand me these waivers. It's like this stack of papers. What's these? They're waivers. Why do I got to sign a waiver? I don't want to sign a waiver. and uh, But I had to sign this waiver. Thankfully, though, what happened was they didn't uh, have me walk off the edge of the cliff. You have to drive down to the landing. And so you get down there to the landing. they got this little ultralight, which the best way I could describe it is it's a lawnmower with wings. And they take a rope and they, that's to the back of the ultralight, and they hook it to the hang glider. And the rope isn't any bigger than a rope that you would use if you went tubing. Oh, right? good. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. But you get in the harness and have you hang there, and then they just pull you up to like 1,500 feet, and um, they disconnect the rope, and you just, it feels like you come to a sudden stop, because you don't have that plane, that ultralight pulling you. So it feels like you come to a sudden stop. Now you get this wily coyote moment. Oh. Where you think, I'm just going to drop like a rock. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. I'm picturing that. Right, you just, <gasps> and then you're like, this thing works. Oh my and you just start soaring, and of course they're, they're dipping, they're climbing. A uh, friend of ours went with us. He had been parachuting, uh, skydiving. And he said that this was more fun than hang gliding. I mean, no, hang gliding was more fun than skydiving because in skydiving you just fall. Yes. This, you got to travel, you got to swoop, you got to climb, you got to dive. and It, it was just absolutely a beautiful experience. And you're doing it again, so obviously... We are doing it again. <laughs> obviously, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I won't have near the trepidation this time. Um, so, yeah, I'll, fiance, I'll get in touch with you. My fiancé doesn't even like roller coasters, so I feel like this would... Um... Well, they ask me this. They don't ask you questions on the ground. <laughs> well, of course. Your pilot doesn't. We're up there, and he goes, do you like roller coasters? Yeah. Well, he made this thing 
just go like in a nosedive. And it looks like you're going straight toward the cliff lookout mountain. Then he climbs. And once it climbs up, so he's getting speed. So he climbs. Then he dives again. And this time he turns it. And you're oh. just like, oh, your entire stomach's doing crazy things. But it's, oh, no. it's a beautiful experience enough that, yeah, I will do it again. Wow. But you should totally go try it out. I'll think about it. I'll look into it. Now that we're talking about cliffs, it sounds a little scary. Well, but we, yeah, flying into the cliff sounded scary. But uh, no, but you had to sign these waivers, and that, that's what made me think about it. I had to sign a waiver. The, um, so you, you're down there, you swim with the pigs, you win the pageant. You guys spent two extra days down there. That had yes. to be just beautiful, relaxing. It yes. had to be a lot better for him knowing that you won than two days with you if you hadn't have won. Well, he actually told me. This was the funny part. After, I'm flying home if you don't win. <laughs> no, no. He had told me um, when after he proposed, he was like, you know, he said, I had, you know, for weeks been thinking about, like, what I would say when I asked you to marry me. He mm. said, but all of it was kind of, like, planned around if you lost. <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry that you had to mentally re-prepare a speech last night. Didn't mean to put a hitch in your plans. Um, well, so. that, would be my, that would be my concern. Okay, if she loses, do I do this proposal? Yeah, so I guess that just whatever he had mentally decided that he was going to say was more, like, towards the comforting after, you know, one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. Um but yeah, so he had to change it since I didn't actually lose. So yeah. put a little hitch in his plans. But I was like, thank you so much for believing in me. I said, no, it's okay. I actually didn't think I was going to win either. So that's fine. I'm, I'm not even offended. That's fine. That's fine. So he got down on one knee. It was the picture. Yes. Did the whole thing. The whole thing. And it was it was beautiful. It was perfect. Like I said, my my. Did you say I'll pageant, think about it? or? Um, I actually, like an hour later, I was like, did I ever say yes or did I just take the ring? Because I meant yes, but I don't remember well, saying it. Well, it's kind of implied it. if you take the ring. Yes, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, I had to ask him later. I said, so, um, did I ever say yes because I don't remember saying it? But if I didn't, it's a yes. So, we're actually getting married April 25th um, of 2020. So, eight months. The perfect date. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The fact that you knew that and I didn't have to tell you. Oh, yes. No, it's the, the perfect, perfect date. date. It's not it too is. hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I actually, I promise, I did not select the date based on that. Now, once I realized that was the date. I love the irony, it, though. Yes. So what I did, because I'm very weird about things like this is I went through and I looked at all the weekend dates that had like a 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Well, there was an April 25th and there was a May 30th. May 30th was putting us really too into graduations and, you know, competing with too many different things happening right. and just kind of inconvenient. So I was like, April is perfect. So we'll do the 25th. And I was on Pinterest one day just scrolling and that meme popped up and yeah. I was like, it's the perfect date. I was like, I text my whole family. I was like, it is set in stone. I don't care where I have to get married. It is April 25th. We'll do it out here at the gazebo. Yes. I don't care. Absolutely. So I'm just really happy that that made my whole day that you knew that that was the perfect date. So yes, we're getting married on the perfect date. Well, we talked about the last podcast. Yes. Uh, it's also my son's birthday. Okay. And uh, I had a daughter. Yes. Who's a little bit older than you, so when that movie came out, obviously we watched it a lot. Yes. So, uh, 
and that was always the joke around my son's birthday, the perfect date. So yes. Yeah. So for those of you listening that don't know, you That's need right. to go watch Miss Congeniality <laughs> because one of the onstage questions in Miss Congeniality is, "What is your perfect date?" And um, the contestant, where she should have been like, they were expecting like a dinner in the movies type of answer. She said April 25th because it's not too hot, it's not too cold, all you need is a light jacket. So that is my wedding date. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Was that the movie where uh, uh, she's sitting down to get dinner and she wants to order the mahi-mahi, but I'll just take one mahi. I'm not that hungry. <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> yes, I actually should be more of a Miss Congeniality fan, but I actually have only watched it probably like five times. Um, I know that's still a lot, but right. not like, you know, there's those movies that I've watched like literally 20 times. So I'm, I haven't been that obsessed with Miss Congeniality, but it is a really great movie. So it, it, it is. is. It is an iconic movie. When that movie came out, my mom and dad hardly ever went to uh, uh, movie theaters. So the movie, they were up visiting. This is before they moved to the Pacific Northwest. They were up visiting, and we all decided to go see a movie. We go to see that movie. And there's this one moment where everything's quiet. My son was young at the time, probably about four or five years old. And so he's that cute, you don't have any clue what he's going to say, boy phase. Yes. He never got out of that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm in the middle of that, I understand. Right. And um, he's sitting there, and it gets quiet. And he, goes, he looks over, and he goes, it's a great movie, huh, Papa? Aww. And the whole crowd just starts laughing. And, but yeah, I have memories tied to that movie, which... It's weird. <laughs> I know. But it's also, I mean, I got other things that um, that people find weird, too. So, <laughs> so preparation. You, you, yeah. What's the weirdest thing about me? <laughs> That'd be a good question. Uh, people, so your preparation, you said you started last November. So mm-hmm. um, what is the preparation? You mentioned the gym. Yes. Is that every day? I mean, you, obviously, you got to take a day off. It's, I mean, it's about every day. Um, I do try to incorporate rest days early early on, but the closer I get to the pageant, I'm like, no, we have no time to rest. Um, so, yes, lots of time in the gym. Um, of course, any kind of speaking engagement, whether it be a podcast interview or speaking at something like I did this past weekend at International Drug Overdose Awareness right. Day um, or just emceeing a pageant. Anytime that I'm in front of people and speaking, I consider that preparation because public speaking is huge when it comes to pageantry. And um, I do a lot. I do a lot of listening to different podcasts and um, just things that can and most of them are pageant related. Just to, I was going to ask you, are there a lot of pageant-related podcasts? Not a ton. Um, there are a few. The Pageant Planet is a kind of, it's kind of like a blog, um, but they have a podcast. So I always like stay tuned into their podcast and, you know, just listening to something that may, you know, jog a thought and kind of get you thinking in that direction. And you never know, like sometimes I hear things and I'm like, oh, that's good, you know? Well, and that's what I tell people is because... On one hand, there are so many people who have no clue what a podcast is. Yes. Like, there'll be people, I've had them come in here when I'm doing a podcast or someplace else, and then afterwards, like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. It's a podcast. What's a podcast? So yeah. you got to tell them what a podcast is, and then other people's like, well, I don't think I'd like a podcast. You know, I'm into, I'm into crocheting. Yes. 
there's a podcast on crocheting. Yeah, I mean, everything. anything you want to learn, there's a podcast on it. Just look it up. Yes, and I, I do a lot of like, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, you yep. know, watching old pageants and, you know, watching how people walk and then, of course, practicing my walk. Luckily, I can do that at my store. Um, I have a huge mirror in my store and I just kind of walk around in heels and people probably think I'm crazy because um, sometimes I have on like sweatpants and six inch heels and they don't really know <laughs> what I'm doing. But, you know, just it's, it is honestly a 24-7 type of thing. Like every single thing that you're doing, especially in the few months right before, is preparation. So your diet, are you dieting or is it just a lifestyle of eating? Or It's, it's, it's more of a diet. Um, it's definitely not like post-pageant, I, well... Post pageant, I go on a quick binge for about a week and eat everything that I've missed, and then I right. go back on to like my healthier eating and and it's more like just making wise choices. Whereas when I'm getting ready to compete, it's like grilled chicken, ground turkey, rice, broccoli, and that's pretty much it. There's no variation. Are you dehydrating? Um, no. No, in the um, months, like a week before, we kind of pull water a little bit, um, but that's just like right before you compete. So I'm drinking like a gallon of water a day before then. Um, Well, that's another question. I mean, so you're primarily just drinking water. Yes. Oh, yes. Just Um, water and protein shakes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Three a day. No, I'm just kidding. Well, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, because it it is important for a meal replacement. Um, So let's talk about... Let's talk about eating. Yes. Um, the are you doing like intermittent fasting? Not really. Um, I kind of what I do, like my plan for me. That's what I've found that works best for me. Um, I'm glad I, you pointed that out. Yeah. What works best for you? Well, and I do want to say this as well. Um, I'm not hungry during my pageant prep. Like I honestly, I eat more when I'm prepping than I do. Went on a normal day because it's just constant. Um, honestly, sometimes I'm like, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat again. But because I'm working out so much, I have to fuel my body correctly. Or, you know, I'm not going to put on muscle. I'm not I'm not in it to be skinny. So, you know, I want to be healthy on stage. That's what they're judging me for, not to see that I'm skin and bones. Right. So, first of all, you know, I want to make that point that it's not about crash dieting or being unhealthy. I mean... Actually, when I'm on my pageant diet, I'm probably at my absolute healthiest. Um, But kind of what I do that works for me is I get up early and I go to the gym and do fasted cardio. And then I come home. Fasted cardio. Mm -hmm. What's that? It's basically just doing cardio on an empty stomach. Okay. Um, I don't really... I'm not a... I'm not a um, health expert, but it's supposed to like burn more calories or burn fat faster. Well, it makes sense. Yes. So I do um, fasted cardio and then I'll go home and I eat, um, I eat three eggs, three egg whites and one whole egg. So about four eggs. Um, Just take the yolks out of three of them and um, half a cup of oatmeal. So that's always my breakfast. And I usually drink black coffee with that. And let's be honest, I can't drink black coffee. So I like splash some sugar-free creamer in it and just pray for the best. Um, (coughs) I can't do it. (coughs) A friend of mine uses honey. Oh, because well, it's a natural a sugar. And, well, yes. Okay. That that makes sense. It's a natural sugar. It, it's not that it, her or I have problems with sugars. It's mm-hmm. what sugars. Right. Well, and it's I'm not doing a keto diet by any means, but we obviously try to keep carbs at a minimum. Um, but then, you know, at some 
there's a snack before lunch and that's either like a protein bar or a protein shake um, and then I'll have another snack between lunch and dinner and it's the same thing protein bar protein shake something like that um, and then my lunch and dinner are both you know either grilled chicken ground turkey and then broccoli and like a little portion of rice um, jasmine rice is what I eat I know that there for a while everybody did brown rice. I don't know. I do jasmine. Um, and that's what my personal trainer a few years ago had put me on. And that's what I've just continued doing. I don't What's work. What's good rice? Yes, I, it is. Exactly. <laughs> good rice. Um, so that's kind of what I do. And that's so you're what five works meals for me. a day. Yeah. So breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. Mm-hmm. About five meals a day. And then you yeah. may have a shake in between there. Or, yes. And then yeah. lots of water. Tons of water. Mainly plant based or? Um, no. Okay. No. And then the last like 45 days before I compete, I have to switch all of my meat over to fish, which is, it is um, not fun. I'm not a fish person. Um, so See, I, when it comes to fish, I'm really, really picky. Well, it can, we can, I can eat tilapia. Um, they, I have actually never tried tilapia because, like I said, I'm not a fish person. So when my personal trainer, I don't work with him anymore, but I did a few years ago, when he tried to switch me over to fish, I panicked. I was like, I can't do that. I'm not doing it. And he was like, no, you are. You're doing it. And I was like, no, don't make me do this. And I was just, I told him, I was like, I I don't like seafood. I don't like any seafood. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to eat it. And he was like, well, Tilapia is not too fishy, but maybe you should try swai. Yeah. Is that right? So that's what I eat. Um, so I eat... Uh, and I call it swai, and they get mad at me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I had never heard of it till I moved back here. Yeah, well, it's like a farmed fish. Like, yeah, it's see, not, and I don't eat farmed fish. I know. It's probably not great, but I just don't look into it. I'm sure if I Googled, I wouldn't be happy with what I read. Yeah, do yourself a favor, don't. I'm not going to. So, yeah, we're but, not going to do that. <laughs> have you tried... Have you tried not farmed, but have you tried wild-caught salmon? No. It's delicious. And it's not fishy. It's delicious. You don't have to... Have you ate sushi? No. Oh. Uh, well, I got it I last wish. night. We had it last night, and um, we didn't take them out of the freezer, so we had these salmon fillets. But you can cook, for those of you who don't know, you can cook a frozen salmon fillet. So I just basically put it in the... Put some olive oil, put whatever I was going to put on top of it to season it. Uh, put it in the pan mm-hmm. and let it begin to do what it started to do and then um, I put it in the oven to let it bake. The trick to cooking salmon is you just let it bake until once that fat starts coming out uh, that's how you know that it's not frozen anymore. <laughs> right? Pulled out. It's delicious. Loved it. Um, so I, I'm more tuna, cold water like yes. a trout. I'll eat a, a, a fresh trout. Tuna, anything that's wild caught I'll eat, especially if it's cold water. So, why the switch to fish in 45 days? It's, Is it's it the, something, um, I don't know. I think it just like tightens everything up faster. So, that is just something that I do right at the very end. Well, I know the omega-3s and the natural fats are really, really good for you. Yes. They say it's like very good for your skin. Yeah, it's because it's fats. Of, right. It's kind of the way it was explained to me. Um so it just kind of like tightens up your skin everywhere. And I know that it's something that bodybuilders and, you know, that kind of thing, which my personal trainer, that is what he prepped people for. I was kind of his first, me and his wife were his first like 
pageant um, yeah. people. So yeah, he we were kind of different than what he was used to, but I know that that is something that um, bodybuilders and physique contestants do as well, is they switch over to fish also. Well, that's why I ask you about, are you dehydrating? Because um, one of my neighbors used to be a, they were bodybuilders. They, they competed and you'd see her about, or him and her, uh, about a week before a competition and they were dehydrating because yes. they wanted the muscle definition to show up. Um, but I would think that for a, in a beauty contestant, you don't want to dehydrate. I mean, obviously you want to lose the water weight. Yes. Uh, so you want to dehydrate in that sense, but you don't want to dehydrate to the extreme that they do because you don't want to go up there with all these muscle lines showing. You need your skin tone to be, you know, it's got to be a balance. It does. It does. We're definitely not as extreme as bodybuilders, but right. it really has in the last few years. Pageantry, I remember years ago, I didn't prepare like I do now. Um, I would do cardio and that kind of thing because I feel like skinny was more what they were looking for. And now there's a huge emphasis put on healthy. Um, they really want to see that you're fit and not that you're skinny. They they would rather you be a fit size six or eight than a a skinny size zero. Right, especially if it's not your frame. Exactly. Yes. I mean, for you, I mean, you're you're taller. Yes. Than most women I know, um, you going in weighing eighty something pounds Isn't would look it? anorexic. Exactly. It'd look horrible. And look, and that's another thing is you know. When you look at height, um, we also, we build muscle differently. My muscle mass is long and lean. So mm -hmm. I really don't worry too much about bulking up. Whereas a more petite girl may bulk more than I would. Um, you know, we don't, I don't take any performance enhancing drugs. So, you know, I don't, and I wouldn't think anyone else in pageantry did, but that doesn't mean that they don't. Um, so, I mean, obviously bulking up a ton without doing those kinds of things probably isn't, a huge issue but it, it could be um because you know people who are more petite do build bulkier muscle mass than people who are tall and have mm -hmm. long lean muscle mass so luckily i am tall and my muscle mass is is long so i tone up really good um but you know you have to eat a you, lot to maintain that you do and that's where um when people's trying to lose weight i had this discussion the other day um you hear that phrase, <clears throat> eat less and move more mm -hmm. or exercise more. I like to say move more. Yes. You don't always have to jam. Just, no. you know, park a little farther yeah. away. Little changes, especially <laughs> yeah. at first. Right. Uh, well, that's another thing we were talking about this morning. Um, but just a 1% difference. Mm -hmm. That's all you need. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are looking for this dramatic change and this dramatic difference. No, just, make, just be 1% better today. Mm -hmm. And if you did one push-up today... Try to push out two tomorrow. Just 1% better. Well, I think that what changed my life, this is some wisdom that I'm about to leave here on this podcast. All so right. be ready for this. <laughs> I used to drink sodas a lot. Oh, my God. I, I'm glad you're uh, going here. <laughs> and when I saw this chart, and I'm sure you can find it on Google. When I saw on this chart that you could eat seven donuts for the amount of sugar that's in one bottle of Coke, however many ounces or, you know, that soda, is. Soda, whatever, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the donuts every time. Right. So here's what, and this is what I told someone. I said, it's not eat less and move more. It's eat better. Yes. And move more. Yes. Because um, 
the discussion I had was they were just like, well, um, they don't really have any impulse control. Mm-hmm. We have to watch them. Uh, with somebody with some special needs, and we have to watch them and control their portions. I said, well, try this. Take all this processed food out of the house. Take all these sugary f- drinks out of the house and replace that with better food. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about their portion control. No. You won't be upset if they eat all your cucumbers. Yes, exactly. But I remember a time when I could drink like two bottles of soda, like back to back, and right. never even think anything about it just because I didn't really know better, you know. And now I'm like kind of disgusted by the fact that I once, you know, was that unhealthy. And but you don't think about how much sugar is in something like that. But yes. Well, and here's the thing is, is what... Um, <laughs> I had read this, no, I'd heard it on a podcast, that when you're eating this processed food and these sugary drinks and all this unhealthy stuff, yes, which I'm okay with mouth porn. Every now and again, you want a donut. Absolutely. I'm okay that's with it. That's my thing. So that's why I bring donuts into right. this. We got cheesecake this weekend and it was to die for. I'm okay with that. Yes. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm anti-dessert. I mean, I'm the guy that... We are pro-dessert over here. That's right. We're it, in a coffee shop. We're in a coffee shop. I go... We went to dinner when we got that cheesecake. We were ordering our dinner um, and um, found out they made the cheesecake there. And I said, we're going to want that cheesecake, but we want that first. Yes. I'm going to eat my dessert first. Uh-huh. And the reason I do that is that way I got room for it. Yes. Because how many times do you eat your dinner and you have no room left for the dessert? Take it home, eat it later. Right. It's more important. If I eat the dessert first, I can take my dinner home. That's true. Right? Nobody likes warming up a dessert. So let's just get that out of the way. So we we were doing that. So I'm not against dessert. I'm not against those things. But when you're primarily eating the junk food and what happens is your body takes this food in and says, okay, that's not the nutrients that I need to perform. So it stores it over here as fat mm-hmm. and tells you, I'm hungry. Because yes. your body telling you you're hungry is your body saying, I need fuel. Yes. So you eat more of that. So you sit down and finish that whole bag of chips and another two liter of soda. And your body's like, okay, I don't need I that. I still don't have what I need. I'm still hungry. Yes. Um, where if you start replacing that with food that your body naturally needs, mm-hmm. you know, the, the proteins, the nutrients and all that, all of a sudden it's your body start hasn't having to burn this food that it needs because oh i need this i'm gonna start using it mm-hmm. now i need energy to burn it with i'm gonna pull from this fat reserve and that's what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. all of a sudden your portion control doesn't have to kick in your body just says i'm not hungry yeah i'm not hungry and even if you because eating very much is mental even if you're still eating but you're eating that good stuff your body's like okay I can process a cucumber. It's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's it's, what I was telling you. Get rid of that stuff. And it's all about finding a balance and what works for your body. All of our bodies are different. And some things that work for me are not going to work for anyone else. So, you know, when I competed for Ms. Tennessee back in 2017, I lost 60 pounds to I compete. I remember you telling me this last year. Yeah, I mean, it was... Um, And honestly, that's kind of what got me back into pageantry after a five-year break was um, I I needed the motivation to get healthy again and to get back in shape. And um, signing yourself up for a pageant and knowing you have six months to be in a bikini, that'll do it. That'll do it. That will definitely do it every single time. So, um, yeah, that was – I have never been more committed to something in my entire life. I mean, there was no gray area for me. I was very committed – you 
my mom brought donuts in the house one time and I remember like crying and I was just like, you hate me. Why would you do this to me? Cause I can say no to everything, but donuts. I was like, that is the worst form of sabotage that you right. caught two weeks before Miss Tennessee. She brought these donuts in. Uh. So yeah, it's, it's like a known thing on my Facebook and amongst my friends that, um, after a pageant, I want donuts, and people bring me donuts. It's it's kind of funny, but people will be commenting on my Facebook, and they're like, "Has Ashley got her donuts yet?" And right. so, I, and usually I have donuts there. My mom has them at the theater with us, so she's prepared for me. Because I'm like, if even if you win, did you really, or if you lose, did you really lose if you have donuts? I don't think so. No, and did you really lose because you made it to the dance? That's right. You're on that stage. That is very true. Very true. And that's what you have to remind people a lot of times. But you made it. Absolutely. How many people didn't? I know. And that's just mind-blowing to me. I mean, it was mind-blowing to me that I was selected to represent the United States in the first place. I mean, and that was just a huge honor in itself. And like I said, that was my biggest goal going into it was knowing that I left my heart on the stage and that I represented the United States to the best of my ability. And... Like I said, at the end of the day, I was very happy with the way that I performed. Winning was just beyond anything that I could have ever dreamed, really. And um, it happened. So that was amazing. Let's talk about your uh, platforms. Yes. So like I mentioned earlier, my personal platform and what I do in schools is I work with social media safety and I work with anti-bullying. So. Um, I love to go into schools. I've been in a ton of local schools. The kids around here know me because I've, I've been in their schools before. I've talked to them before um, about one of those issues. And used to, I would talk to the younger kids about anti-bullying, and I would talk to the ones that were a little bit older about social media safety. But now what we're looking at is, I mean, kids in third grade have cell phones. Yeah. So, you know, I'm starting to push that down to a, a younger age. And... Um, and I, and I still do a lot of anti-bullying, but social media safety has definitely, um, that's what's kind of risen up as what's important. And, and I remember the first person who talked to me personally about um, being safe on social media. And it was my eighth grade science teacher, and she was not nice about it. Um, I mean, she really wasn't. She was very harsh, and it was because she cared about us. Yeah. And if she saw something, it, I don't know. There was no Facebook then. It was MySpace. <laughs> um, but I You're remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember her um, pulling me up to her desk one day and telling me everything she saw on my social media that she did not like and what needed to be gone before she looked at it again and and it wasn't anything like inappropriate it was just too much information um that could have put me at risk and um and you know now I look back at it and I'm like that these kids won't forget who the first person was that said this is not safe like you're you've got to protect yourself on social media. Like they're going to remember that because I remember exactly where it came from for me, even though I did not like what she was saying. Um, but it was because she cared. It wasn't because she was coming from a, a bad place. She, mm-hmm. she cared about us and she wanted us to be safe. And she saw, I wasn't the only person that she had a chat with. Um, she told several students like, you know, your, your address or your, this, I don't really think our actual address was on social media, but, uh, or on MySpace, but just stuff that was on there that was too revealing as far as, um, personal information about ourselves. So what's one of the most common mistakes, uh, someone make as far as security that you probably talk about the most? Um, you know, I cover a lot of things. Um, 
I definitely encourage them to all have their social medias private so that they can they have a, a way to filter who is looking at their stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that what is kind of scary today, I'm always very adamant about I won't post my location until I've left that location. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one of those things that when I'm on my own traveling with pageants and this and that, um, it makes me feel better if I don't have somebody with me. Um but so you know, I talked to them kind of about being careful with their whereabouts. You know? Oh, sorry <laughs> about that. No, you're okay. I was like, whoa, that kind of rung my. I ears. had a notification. <laughs> um, you know, with apps like Snapchat, I mean, that's like a nightmare app in my opinion. Um, and now they have like this ghost feature where people can see exactly where you are. Like they can pull up your location at any time and. It's like they can pull up exactly where you are in a building. And that, that's terrifying. Like, it's just way too much information. I mean, my location services are on for my mom. Um, and I'm 27 years old. Right. But I want her to be able to find me should, you know, you know, anything happen. So, you know, that's one of those things that it's just, it's very eye-opening. But one of the things that I'm very big on is not talking to anyone on social media if you don't know for 100% certain that you know who that person is. Um, and I don't remember if we talked about this on the first podcast, but mm-hmm. when I was 24 years old, um, I had someone who I thought that I knew who was talking to me on social media. I was talking back, just general conversation type of thing. And um, it was actually someone who had created a fake account mm-hmm. and and I didn't know the person who created the fake account, but I wasn't talking to who I thought I was talking to, even though I knew both individuals. Um, but it became a situation where um, I was being threatened and they were telling me that they, you know, knew where I lived. You know, in, in my mind, I'm a mama bear, you know, like yeah. if you're telling me I'm in danger, then my, my child, child is in also danger. in my danger. in danger. Yeah, and it, it just got very aggressive and um, there was actually an FBI investigation going on about the scenario um, because the guy was posing to be a um, University of Tennessee football player and... Um, it was, it was a huge thing. So I was involved in this Snapchat extortion scheme um, that affected a lot of girls in this area. And that is when it really hit me how important this issue was because I wasn't a teenager. Um, no. I'm an adult at this point. And just knowing that our teens are, there were a lot of teenagers that were affected in, in this particular scenario. And it's one of those things where you know, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. And um, it became a huge situation in the news in East Tennessee. And um, I was personally investigated by the FBI over this situation. Like, this is, um, it, it's, it's, it, there needs to be a greater awareness for these kinds of situations. And women and kids and teens need to know how to protect themselves. When it comes down to mom and dad, too. It does. And, and I actually work with moms a lot. I don't work with dads so much, but I do. Um, I work with moms a lot about implementing um, rules and policies. And you're not 18 yet. I pay your phone bill. I have your passwords. And, you know, all of these things. And I know that it's easier said than done, especially when you're comparing yourself to me, who has a four or five-year-old um, and not a teenager. But I think that you just have to set those rules the second that you give them a phone and say, you know, this is what this phone is to be used for. 
and until you decide you want to pay your own phone bills, I have all your passwords, and mm-hmm. you know it's just those rules you have to implement from the very beginning. It is because it's hard to put that cat back in the bag. It is. <clears throat> it's, it's almost impossible, and that's what I deal with is moms that are struggling with that. But it's it's hard to remind parents that you're the parent and not the friend. It is. I, I had this uh, <clears throat> girl one time tell me about how her kid doesn't work, and you know he doesn't do dishes, he doesn't do this, he blah blah blah. But when I was a kid, I had to blah 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 blah. And she's complaining about her son. And I stopped for a second, and you know, kids these days, she's going that phrase. I said, just stop for one second. She said, well, I said, you do know this is your fault. Yes. She just kind of looked at me. And I said, you raised him. It's a tough pill to swallow. You taught him that not doing dishes was okay. Yes. You taught him he can talk back to you because you argued with him when you shouldn't have argued with him. This is your fault. But same thing with like one of the rules that we had, excuse me, one of the rules that we had was the phone went on the coffee table at bedtime. Yes. It didn't go to the dinner table. Okay. You didn't have your phone at the dinner table. Your friend showed up. You don't have your phone at the dinner table. And we all sat at the dinner table. Um, and the phone goes on the coffee table at night. There's no screens in your room. My kids didn't have laptops. They didn't have TVs in their room. It's so smart, honestly. I mean, right. that is, yeah, that is one of those rules that I encourage. That one doesn't go over as well. You know, the kids like to use the alarm clock excuse. Right, right. Apparently, we don't have alarm clocks in this generation, but right. it's amazing. So, yes, um, that is another one that I think is... Um, smart to implement but you don't see it as much but I'm like you know what if you can start just with the fact that you have the passwords um, that's one huge step that needs to be taken to protect your kids I mean and that phone comes to me at any time I ask and if I don't get the password you don't get the phone yes absolutely Um, you definitely and I am your friend yes you have to you have to check in on them even the best kids make bad decisions Um, so yeah you definitely have to be aware and you have to let them know that you're watching and you're paying attention. And um, so that's, you know, that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about. That's where I, you know, work with kids the most. Um, the platform of the organization as a whole is the NAUSA, the National Organization of Women's Safety Awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is dealing with women who have been victims of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Luckily, I've never had to face a situation like this, but I think that this is one of those things that it does touch everybody Mm -hmm. um, in some way, form, or fashion. Yeah, Um, because if you've not done it, someone you know has. Yes, absolutely. We've all had um, friends or family members who have had an experience, um, and it touches your life in a sense because of what has happened to them and, you know, the repercussions and. You know, just the little things like that. So basically what we do as an organization is that we are just trying to be a voice for people who feel like they have lost their voice um, because of a sexual violence situation. And um, so we work with women trying to what I we do a lot of um, like 
safety classes as far as like how to keep yourself safe, learning like the basic ways to protect yourself. Um, We do like those kinds of classes. Um, Luckily, I'm able to kind of, I have a space where women can come and feel safe and um, bring in instructors because obviously I have no business teaching someone how to protect themselves, Um, but bring in professionals who can um, teach them how to protect themselves if they're ever in a situation where um, they're being attacked or um, anything like that. We also try to start young. We try to start with kids and teach about respect. Um, right. Because a lot of sexual violence issues stem back to the lack of respect for other people. And um, I think that that is one of the things that we have to remember is that we need to go back to education early on and teach respect and put an emphasis on respect so that, you know, it's going to eliminate a lot of those issues going forward, we hope. Well, the conversation that uh, we got into last night, a friend of mine and I did, was uh, talking about personal safety. Yes. Uh, she's a much smaller woman, very small. I was a small kid growing up, um, and I I had listened to a podcast, and these are things that I learned growing up. Part of it's my military training part of it's just growing up is in the podcast the guy had written a book about how to be your own bodyguard mm-hmm. he said the idea of a bodyguard a lot of people think is the guy that's going to protect somebody when everything hits the fan he said no the idea of the bodyguard is to avoid every situation you can yes. you can think of and to be aware he said when you're talking about your personal security it's not so much do you know how to handle yourself in a situation it's how do I avoid this situation? All together. All together. And he said they did a project where they just they took these criminals who had assaulted people in various levels of assault, and they showed them the videos of people walking down the street and asked them to pick. If you were going to pick a target, who, who would you pick? <clears throat> he said psychologically you would think they would pick somebody who's small and weak, but they didn't. He said sometimes they pick the big guy, sometimes they pick the small guy, sometimes they pick the young guy, sometimes they pick the old guy. And so they sort of trying to figure out what was in common. Well, they were walking with their bag exposed. They were an easy target. They were walking with their face in their phone. He said the people who were walking down the street that were not an easy target. Yes. Their head was on a swivel. They're aware. They're paying attention to what's going on. They don't go after them. He said they want to hit the weakest. And and that's what I try to teach my children growing up. You know, look, you're probably not the baddest person in the room. Be the most aware. Yes. Know your exits. Uh, know what resources you got. Pay attention when people come in. If things start to get uh, tense, move yourself out of the way. I was, in a, I was in a bar recently, and we were sitting down, and this trouble breaks out across the room from us. Uh, I know right away that I have an exit to my back, but also I'm watching what direction this is going, and I'm just aware. Yes. Um, I've left places before because, you know, certain individuals come in, you feel that sense, and I'm like, it's time to go. Yes. Let's just get out of here. Um, And that's the thing that I try to teach my children or even people around me, just pay attention. Put your phone down. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Don't be the easy target. Yes. You don't find yourself there more often than not. Yes. Well, and, you know, it it all kind of, in a sense, it all kind of ties together um, just with, you know, human trafficking is so huge right now. And, you know, it's, I have to, like, remember sometimes that even though I'm from a small town and, Uh you know, 
I don't want to say that we're naive, but you know, I know for a fact I am. Um, you know, I you just you would never dream of doing something that these people do, and so you just don't understand what people are capable of. And you know, when I first opened my business, people would ask me about you know I didn't have cameras at first and this and that, and I was just like, nobody's gonna steal from me. And it's because I would never dream of picking something up and walking out of a store with it. And right. people were like. Oh, honey, yes, they will steal from you. And it's just like mind blowing because, you know, if it's something that you would never even think about doing, you just don't understand what people are capable of. And you just see the best in everybody. And which yeah. is an admirable trait. Yes, but it is a little naive and I had to learn. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've had a huge problem with stuff like that at my Sweetwater location. But, I, you know, I opened um, a store in a mall for a while, about six months um, this time last year. And, oh, I know that... Uh, a lot of things were stolen there. So, you know, but it all ties back to that was a bigger city. And, you know, you just, I don't know, you just aren't aware. And it, it does kind of tie into that. Just being aware of your surroundings and knowing what's going on. I have to remind my employees all the time. I'm like, you have to pay attention to customers all the time. Because, you know, sometimes it's the people you would least expect. Right. People who know you best. Yes. But that's true. And that I, I'm glad that you're out there doing this, not just saying, oh, I get to go here and do that and I get to wear a crown and I get to take my pictures and interview me, but I have a larger role to play here. Yes. Uh, and that's that's cool. So this coming year, what you got coming up? Well, there's a lot of wedding planning happening right now. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Which I don't understand. People plan for months to get married. And I'm like, you just kind of show up and say, I do, right? Evidently not. It's a lot of money. I should just show up at a courthouse and say I do, but yeah, yeah apparently there's a whole wedding happening. <laughs> um, right. Every day, every day of preparation sends me closer to the courthouse, but um, no, yeah. So a lot of travel is just a lope. <laughs> I know that'll right? make a lot of people in Sweetwater happy. I know. well, no, I think <laughs> they'd be very unhappy. I wish that. Um, just we, post on Facebook one day. We're married. Yeah. Right. Gosh, don't. Don't tempt me because uh, that's kind of what I had leaned towards up until us actually getting engaged. It was more of a destination wedding. Maybe not an elopement itself. but well, And those sound great, but then you got all these people who want to be involved. I know. Yes. And you can't expect them all to fly to Maui. No, no. So, yes, we're um, planning a wedding. There's a lot of travel, of course, um, coming up. I know that... Um, in October, I'll be in Seattle, and then in November, I go back to the Bahamas to crown the new Miss U.S. World. We have a trip to Louisiana coming up probably probably sometime in the spring. Yeah. Um, I'll be at New York Fashion Week in February, so, you know, lots of travel and tons of stuff that I don't even know about yet, of course. Um, we're hoping to get the Miss Australia World pageant going, and that, then I'll, you know, be going to Australia to help with that. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of things going on and still a lot just up in the air, and we're just kind of going with the flow. But, of course, um, you'll see me a lot in the community locally. You'll see me... Here, there, everywhere. Well, all the festivals are starting. I know. It's festival season. That's my favorite time of year. Festival season, and then you got the Christmas on the streets here and all these different places. Catch you can be at any the, of the parades. <laughs> catch me at the fried, <laughs> fried pickle festival, for sure. Um, I've been asked to go to that uh, last couple of years. I've always been working, so I need to I need to get to it this year. I've never been to the Naoda's Fried Green Tomato Festival. And yes, for those of you who do not live here, we have 
festivals around fried things. We fry everything and then we throw a festival for it. (laughs) That's right. Cleveland has a bacon festival. They do. I think I missed it. I think it's already happened. They also had a big wheel race and I missed it. But the Choo Choo's having one, I think, in November. So I may go enter that big wheel race at the Choo Choo. I'm still trying to get Sweetwater to have a donut festival. I don't know why that's not Well, there's a donut store here. I, right? We need a donut festival. What is Sweetwater's Festival? Um, we used to do the Muscadine Festival in the fall. Yeah, now that's um, a solid notch now, Yes, right? that has moved. So now we do the Blooms Bluegrass and Barbecue Festival in the spring. That's right. Yes, we have switched over. So And then in our holidays, this time of year is when we're gearing up for Small Town Christmas. So that's kind of our, I guess you can right. call it a festival. It's not a festival, but... I, I'm gearing up for Small Town Christmas in Athens. Last year I hosted a... Uh, uh, video series where I went around I to that. did you watch it yes I watched that because I met you right in that time yeah frame. No, we did the podcast almost a year ago yes and then I went and did that I enjoyed it yes I think you need to do it in Sweetwater I think we need to figure out a way to do that well uh, have the chamber contact me I will <laughs> that's who's contacting me this year so we're gearing up for that of course McMahon and Monroe County are one of five counties in the state of Tennessee who are turning 200 years old this year amazing the bicentennial so, festivals are happening right got the christmas festivals that's going on so it's you've a got a busy it is a fun time of the year it's it's a very uh busy time of the year but you could you could enjoy it Absolutely. and that's the thing that i tell people and you know how it is you're, you're from a small town usa mm-hmm. and how many people look at you and say there's nothing to do around here so many and Everybody. i'm like you're i mean just think about where we're sitting we're sitting in Sweetwater, Tennessee, in Monroe County, literally the gateway to the Cherokee National Forest. Yep. You're going to tell me there's nothing to do in the Cherokee National Forest. Well, the way I look at it is we're, what, maybe 45 minutes from Chattanooga? And Knoxville. And then probably like 30 from Knoxville. Yeah, from Sweetwater, yeah. I mean, if you live in the big city of Atlanta or Nashville, I mean, it takes you 30 minutes to go a few miles. I mean, mm-hmm. so... 30 45 minutes is nothing for them so we're you know you can get anywhere from here and i just feel like sweetwater has the best of both worlds like you have the slower you have the small city vibe that everybody knows everybody thing um i mean we're like a really tight-knit community here right and um but we're still we have access to anything i mean we're not that far from nashville even and then we can get to knoxville or you know chattanooga or easy day drive gatlinburg you know we have everything right here around us we may not be right in the middle of it but i wouldn't want to be so well and that's what i tell people i live where people vacation yes absolutely i literally live where people vacation and like you said uh hour and a half okay two and a half hours maybe at most you can go do something amazing whether it's going to see a theater event going to uh hang glide going to go river rafting absolutely um just all the different things that you can do here and i just tell people just go play even as simple as and people don't think about this uh i got into kite flying this summer Mm -hmm. and my son literally flew down in june and we're flying kites and i went out and got another kite and got these kites up and then we're doing something else another day and i get these different kites and he's like dad how many kites do you own i don't know (laughs) i like kites i don't know i don't know but you know in I would go to Regional Park, which now has that splash pad. Yes. Have you gone down there to that? 
my son and I have spent a lot of time at the Splash Pad Sweetwater. We just opened ours yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So now we have our own sweet little Splash Pad. It's not as big as Athens, but it's very cute. Um, I mean, it's adorable. So, yes, we, we love Splash Pads. We are Splash Pad chasers. So. Well, I'm down there at the Splash Pad at the Regional Park. Uh, I'm in the soccer field that's right beside it. Mm -hmm. I'm flying kites and just watching these grown men or children come down there and I'd literally just hand them the kite string and I'd get another kite. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and just the joy on people's faces and I'm like, okay, that kite, and I literally gave that kite to that kid. It was 10 bucks at Walmart. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, here, take the kite. Just the joy that $10 brought or uh, we went out one night uh, at a marina and I took a 97 cent tube of bubbles. Mm-hmm. And we're on the deck just blowing bubbles. Amazing. And just watching people, this 80-something-year-old lady is walking around poking bubbles and just <laughs> giggling. And just the unintended consequences of just finding that little bit of joy. Oh, yeah. And what's normally just a mundane, we're going out to eat or we're just going to go to the park. And, oh, I'm going to fly a kite while you're doing that. Um, people can find something to do if you'll just get out and go do it. And Absolutely. they can find the simple joy in it. Get everything. off your phone every now and then and enjoy life. It's happening all around you. I know. Yes. I was sitting down at a restaurant in Chattanooga Sunday, and uh, the mom got to take one of the kids to the restroom. And the dad's just sitting on his phone, and the other kid's just sitting there. And I'm like, Dad, just put your phone away. Yes. I just want to go up and say, just put your phone away. Yep. You're not going to have – this moment's going to be gone. Yes. We don't appreciate that anymore. It's We're tied to our phones. I read something the other day, and I wish I knew exactly what it said, but something about when phones had cords, we weren't tied to our phones, at least. They were attached right. to the wall. We they were had tied to, to the wall. Them. I can't remember what it was. It was really powerful, whatever it said, but it kind of, it was almost like comparing it to like shackles, almost. Like we weren't imprisoned to our phones when they were stuck to the wall you know we had to leave them so i was like wow you know you don't really think about that well and think about this you as a business owner on one hand your phone is very integral to what you do you as a as miss world your phone is very integral yes. to what you do so in one sense you need to keep it yep and when these things first came out we talked about them as time savers yes what would normally take you a couple hours to do you can do in 15 20 minutes in theory, you got the rest of that time to do, but you don't. You fill it with something else. Yes. You go down a rabbit hole, or, and that's the thing I want to tell people about, you know, uh, put the screen away. Mm -hmm. Don't have a TV in your room. Don't have your phone in your room. Or And I get you want to charge it and you want to keep it close, but don't pick it up. Pick up a book. Yes. Read a book, because a book, you're not going to go, here, here. Oh, let's look at that. Oh, this <laughs> notification popped up. It's a book. You spiral out of control completely. <laughs> right. Your mind actually gets to relax. So are you reading now? Um, what, what was the last best thing you read? Um, I'm trying to think. I was just reading a book, a business-related book. I like, like, here's my thing. I kind of spiral out of control even with books. Typically, I'm reading like three books at a time. <laughs> I know that's crazy. No, 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 no. Look at this. <laughs> All these books I got. <laughs> yep. I mean, look at that. Like, I'm literally, typically, I'm reading like, I got five books in there. Yes. I'm typically reading like a fiction book that I don't really care that much about. And then I'm usually reading like a personal develop, 
investment slash business related mm-hmm. book. And then I'm reading like some kind of a Bible study. Um, so yeah, the last like business related book, I cannot remember the name of the book. It was by Ivanka Trump. It was the Trump card by Ivanka Trump. Okay. Um, so, you know, that was, of course, it's an older book from when she was more in the business. Right. So yeah, it, it wasn't like political at all. It was just completely about like her views on business and how, you know, her transition from college into the Trump business and all that. So it was kind of fascinating to hear from, you know, someone who was born into money. Um, Their and perspective how, on it. Right? Yeah. And like her views, because, you know, I mean, Ivanka Trump didn't have to work a day in her life to be loaded, and yet she has a very serious work ethic. She's, I mean, just very, such a hard worker and very inspiring. She's done a lot of things, um, and she's really probably one of the women that I, you know, look up to the most in the business world and um, in the fashion industry and everything. So, you know, her, Kate Middleton, those are just people that, like, everyone, like, they're just all around. They're hardworking women. They are philanthropic and they are fashion icons too. So, yeah. and in my business, well, as being far a boutique, as, you need yes, to think about fashion. Of course, anything fashion related, I'm like amazed by them as well. So a lot of good things, but that is the last business book I read. And I started reading one a couple of days ago and I was like, not even into the first chapter before I was like, I don't want to read this book and I put it away. So I'm not really in the middle of one right now is why I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's what I do. I, I read like you. I'm, I'm usually reading something theological Yes. on some level. Right now I'm reading a lot about, uh, well, it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm reading a lot of <laughs> theological stuff. Yes. Um, I read uh, some type of a, uh, I do have a couple of fiction books that I try to get into from time yeah. to time. And then when I do, I really enjoy them. Um, and then not business. Well, I guess business and personal development. I got one book about he's written. It's about a, the guy that wrote it is a journalist and he's talking about how to talk to people, right? how to, how to sit down and do what you and I are doing. Yes. And uh, so I'm reading that book. I'm finding it great. And then, uh, I hate to say personal development because somebody thinks I'm reading, you know, this, you're great. Yes, That's I know. not what it is. It's, it's, it's learning things. But here's how I read some books. I'm curious how you do it. Like this one book I'm reading is on personal finance. Uh-huh. And I, I read, okay, I, I get what he's saying. So I flip. Okay, he's not talking about that. And I may not read it word for word. Mm-hmm. But um, I am consuming the book. I mean, yes. at some point I know what he's talking about. Okay, mm-hmm. get your point. Let's go on. Yes. Uh, do you read them like that or do you just... I'm like the nerd that's like got the highlighter out. And right. I'm like, ooh, that was a good point. And I like highlight it in my book. So yeah, I'm that nerd. <laughs> See, and the reason I get one book, um, it's called The Art of Teshuva. And Teshuva is a Hebrew word that means uh, returning. Uh-huh. We, we define it as uh, repentance. Yes. Which is a very different meaning as returning. Um, but I highlighted that one. Because uh, I was doing a podcast series on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through this podcast series. I'd read a little bit about it and I'd talk about it. Mm-hmm. So do, do do this running commentary on it. I highlighted that one because I wanted to quickly reference it. Yes. Uh, I typically don't highlight them because I might give it. Right. So I gift a lot of books. And I hate getting a book to somebody. I was literally at a bookstore, found this book I wanted. I'm flipping through it and they've highlighted and written in it. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I was at Cedar Springs um, in Knoxville yesterday, and I bought, I think I bought like four used books. Um, 
but I do kind of like flip through them just to make sure that if, if they're written in, that doesn't bother me as long as it's not a lot. Like if they underlined like two things through the book, I'm like, eh, that's fine. Um, I'll, right. I may read it and end up wanting to highlight the exact same thing. You never know. Um, but, but you would buy your book at a used bookstore. Oh, no, 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 no. Mine are like destroyed. Not, not destroyed, but like uh, they're pretty, they're mostly yellow. So it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. But yeah, when I see a point that I'm like, ooh, I like that, I just highlight it. So yeah, you wouldn't want to pick up my book in a used bookstore for sure. Yeah, I so I I haven't finished this Art of Teshuva one yet, uh, the podcast series. I haven't uh-huh. finished the book yet. I did about four or five on it, and my mom was with me on it. Yes. And how that happened was I was at her house, and I'm setting up to do the podcast. I got the microphones up at the laptop. I'm headphones on. I'm doing <laughs> testing one, two. You know, I'm doing that. She's over there on her phone watching Facebook videos, volume full up. Love that. Right? That's my I'm, mom. I'm like, oh, so I don't want to tell her, go away. Shut your phone up, please. <laughs> so what I did was I said, uh, and I learned this from parenting. You can't always stop behavior you don't want. Right. You can redirect it. Yes. So what I said was, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? She's like, what? Yeah, what's it about? So I told her, I'm going to read this book, and I'm going to give my running commentary. And if you have questions or commentary, you can just jump right in, just like any other podcast. You can do or say anything. You just cannot be on your phone. That's right. (laughs) That's the only rule. And she's like, okay. So she did it. First one went up, and I get more comments about my mom than I do the content of the book. So I'm like, well, you're going to finish this series, this book with me. So I got to finish that one with her. Um, And then I was surprised how many people bought the book. That's amazing. It is. They I need make to a give you commission. I know. I know. I need to set up my uh, Amazon account again and get commission off that. Yes. I, uh, but I got another book that I'm going to do the same thing. So those books, like if I'm teaching out of them, right. I'll highlight them. Um, and I'm never giving them away. I might buy them as a gift, but those are my teaching books. And then the books that I'm going to do, like uh, I'm going to read, like I gave a, my nephew a book that I'd read. It was by Jocko Willink. Uh, it's called uh, Discipline is Freedom. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of you, if you think about it. The more disciplined you are, the freer you are. Mm-hmm. So the more disciplined you are in what you eat, the freer you are to eat what you want yep. when it comes time to eat. The more disciplined you are in your exercise, the freer you are to be healthy, to go play with your son, who's five this yes. month. Right. So the more disciplined you are in your finances, the more free you are. Yes. So I was talking about that. It is. It's a beautiful concept in the book. And so I gave it to my nephew for Christmas and he texted me like, and I just forgot about it. Yeah. And he texted me like a month later. He said, this book is amazing. I'm like, really? Why? Well, I mean, it was amazing. I read it. And <laughs> he's like, I've been struggling with having, with wanting to get up early. Uh-huh. He said, and in the book, he talks about how to get up early. I said, well, what'd you learn? He said, I just got to get up early. I just got to do it. <laughs> just put my feet on the floor. Just keep, keep it moving. All right. He said, you know, here I am struggling. How do I get up early? And this guy's like, well, get up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, it is. It's that simple. And if you're disciplined at doing that, then you're going to bed earlier. You're eating better. You're 
all the so things. Much. It just, everything aligns. Ashley, it's been so good to see you. Thank you again for your time. Yes, thank you for having me back on the podcast. I'll have to win something else fancy so that I can get back you know on what? the podcast. Anytime you want to be on the podcast, you got something Hang coming out. up, you want to talk about Fashion Week or you want to talk about something like that, feel free to just message me and uh, I'll be glad to jump on here with you. You're a pleasure to talk to. It's just well, a natural flowing conversation. I yes. appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, and um, I'm really excited. Stay tuned and, you know, keep well, up with me through you? this. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Facebook. My Facebook, my personal Facebook page is Ashley Ingram, and it's set to public, so you can see anything. Um, but I do have, like, a, a fan page, a business page, whatever they're called now. A I think it's a public fig- figure page. Yeah, a public figure page, and it is under um, Ms. World 2019, Ashley Ingram. And then I'm on Instagram under at... Ms. World dot 2019. Right. So, yeah, you can find me on any social media outlet except for Snapchat and Twitter. Right. <laughs> I'm not Snapchatting and I'm not tweeting. Um, but Instagram is probably the best way to keep up with me. That's I'm most active on Instagram. Yeah, that's just brought up a whole new hour-long conversation I'm going to talk to you about, but I got to get out of here <laughs> uh, about social media. Uh, yes. Well, in particular, I agree with your statement that children need to be very careful who they allow in even some adults um you're like me you don't practice that right i'm very public yes but i'm also very careful about what i put on there yes um do i accept every friend request well it depends because i'll get those friend requests and then it's you know they've got one or two people in common with me i'll scroll down they'll say something like see my nude pics here (laughs) oh delete delete (laughs) I'm yes. not accepting those people. Uh, the weird messages I get from people in Instant Messenger, and it's got something for me to click on, delete. Yes. You've been hacked. Yes. Uh, I don't do that. but because, And I'm not not on a world stage like you as far as a public, but I do because I do the 365 things to do around Athens, because I do the podcast, because I hosted Sounds of Summer, because I do the shop small. People do follow me. Yes. Which is weird when I'm out in town and somebody comes up, hey, Scott. It is weird because, because, you know, even though you're known, you know, it's kind of like me. I'm like, oh, like people know me. And that's, you know. Well, and my thing is, do I know you? Yeah. Yeah, that too. I'm always the one that's like, mom, who was that? Who was I just talking to? Because they knew me and my life story and I didn't know who they were, you know, and, and it's sometimes I just don't recognize them and they know me because of my family or this or that, you know, and I, I, I hear what you're saying because yeah, with, when you have like a public platform Mm -hmm. of a sense, you know, and you have to be kind of open, you just kind of have to protect yourself. But, you know, as Ms. World, um, I'm meant to, you know, be able to touch people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's hard with, you know, my social media safety standard that I kind of have set. And, um, but if we're being realistic, there's no way that I can get everywhere in the world in the mm-hmm. next 365 days. So, luckily social media can help me reach people that I couldn't reach without it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, then a lot of my year will be spent utilizing social media to, you know, grow the pageant, gain sponsors, you know, network with people in other countries and, um, Oh, good luck to me with language barriers. Um, (laughs) here's one thing I do appreciate about you and your, cause I, I was both on your personal and your, uh, and your U.S. 
uh, Miss World yes. uh, public figure. Um, you you don't see a divide between personal and the persona that is Ashley Ingram. Yes. Which I'll see some people, they might be in a service industry where they are, I mean, they're not on a world stage, but they're, they're public within their community. And then you see them in their private Facebook page complaining about something yeah. or doing this. And I'm like, you realize the people who are following you in this business or this service that you have, they're, they're probably following you over here and they're seeing a different person. I've literally not asked women out because of their Facebook page. Absolutely. Oh, right. yes. I think if you're going to complain about that in public, what are you going to say when we break up? Uh. Right. Well, and and that is, I think that that too plays large part in in why I'm Ms. World is that I already was. It all tied together. You right. know, it it all completely seamlessly tied together, even with my career. And um, it just, I was already acting like what Ms. World should act like. And yeah, your Facebook page wasn't filled on there where you complaining about some political thing. Or There's some, probably some embarrassing college pictures, like if you digged. <laughs> right, but you're not talking about, well, you come in and stole from me, you're a sorry piece. Of, you're not doing no, that. No, you're not putting that out there. No, not at all. And that's, yeah, not going to happen. Um, so I think that, and that's, you know, as we were talking earlier, like that's why I think it's so important that the judges watch kind of your every move in the weeks leading up to the pageant because um you know people hide a lot of things so i think it's good that they were paying attention right and uh, i and i agree with you if i was a judge and i went onto your personal facebook and all i saw was boyfriend drama right are you really committed to this are you going to be able to represent us well because you're not representing yourself because your public figure profile isn't I mean, that's probably going to be more polished and clean, but right. they're going to follow you over here to this personal profile mm-hmm. and see that. I don't want them seeing that on no, the world stage. not at so all. So you, you were smart in doing that. <laughs> yes. All right. Again, big shout out to the Cup Runneth Over. Welcome to Sweetwater, Tennessee, Gateway. I'm on, I just made this up. Gateway to the Cherokee National Forest. Yes. Ashley has her store here. It's called Her Majesty Boutique. You guys just moved to a right on the bottom of the building now you got a new yes, space we are right um down storefront or street front and i used to be upstairs just some challenges with signage and and right. stairs in itself with my customers having to climb stairs so we made that move back in may and it has been wonderful so we're really happy at our new space we're just one block away from where we were before so we didn't make a big move um downtown sweetwater is definitely the home of her majesty boutique and um, we'll, we hope to be here for a very long time you got a new neighbor coming in upstairs and old space oh really yeah oh yes 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 the yoga studio yeah yes sorry when you said upstairs i thought you meant above me i was like wait do you know something i don't know no Um, and there's gonna be a yoga studio massage they're gonna have a a few things up there i actually may be coming up here to take a yoga teacher training amazing i have heard um I've heard possibly guitar lessons, some voice and guitar. Like that. Yeah, I think it's gonna, it's gonna be a perfect addition to Sweetwater, and I think that I think that business is gonna do really well there. So I'm really excited. I should take voice lessons. You should. Be a big rock singer with golden yes. fingers. Ashley Ingram, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.